What's going on, boys and girls? We got a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. We did things a little differently on this episode. We posted that Two White Lights topic of the week, WPO, ESPN, your thoughts and opinion on that. So instead of me droning on and on for 60 minutes about it, I asked two of Two White Lights' favorite people, Sean Noriega, Matt Wallace, to come on the show and give their takes on it. Not really an interview with either of them. Uh, Noriega just did a really terrific interview on Nerds Who Lift. So listen to that if you want to get more of Noriega talking about, you know, lifting, philosophy on training, you know, the whole interview kind of thing. We had him on. We had Matt Wallace on as well to discuss, you know, the pros and cons of WPO being broadcast on ESPN, and they both gave really, really good insight on that. I had a really fun time uh, just kind of going back and forth with the both of them. In the middle of the show, we got Carson Allen, Dallin Power, for an interview as well. Terrific interview with him, one of the better 83 kg lifters in the world right now. Um, he's competing in USAPL Raw Nats, I promise you guys. We're having a lot of people on, or we're having a lot of people on two white lights who are going to compete at USAPL Raw Nationals up into the meet day. So really great interview with him. But before we get into that, I want to talk to you guys about Rivalus. Guys, girls, please visit Rivalus.net. Use promo code Angelo15 to get 15% off of protein, pre-workout, creatine, brand chain amino acids, merchandise. You want it. Rivalus has Got it. Use promo code Angelo15. Save some money. Also, visit twowhitelights.com. Get some merchandise. Get the Two White Lights t-shirt. Get the Shit Was Light t-shirt. Get the Bullet Club t-shirt. And now, here is Two White Lights. Monday, August 26th, and as promised, we're going to get right into our Two White Lights Topic of the Week, and for our Two White Lights Topic of the Week, WPO being on ESPN, I decided to have the opinionated, the intelligent, the outspoken, USAPL Natty Lifter (laughs) on Two White Lights to talk about it. He's been on the show before, Mr. Sean Noriega. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm doing well, man. How are you? Thank you for having me on again. Pretty good, man. And yeah, we're we're doing. Uh, I brought you on the show uh, to discuss this topic because you're outspoken. You've been pretty animate about your disdain for the people involved in multiply lifting, uh, WPO being on ESPN. You've been kind of on the other side of it, saying that you don't like seeing the WPO on ESPN. Uh, you're not really in favor of it. Why? Are you not in favor of WPO being broadcasted on ESPN? All right, so I guess my, you know, let's let's backtrack a little bit. So, so for people who might be listening who might not fully understand the timeline here, um, a lot of the, I think in the multiply world of powerlifting, the one of the stark differences, no pun intended, nice um, between the you know, multiply lifting and the USAPL is they seem a lot more, more self-governed as, as far as I know, there is no, um, there's no president chairman. 
executive committee that has the same sort of, um, you know, executive power in multiply powerlifting that there is in um, the USAPL, for mm-hmm. example. You know, Larry Melee, Priscilla Ribic, and then there are a host of other, you know, higher-ups, right, who determine kind of the direction and the vision of the Federation as a whole, which ultimately, at this point in time, being 2019, dictates kind of the media involvement in the sport, right? Powerlifting has grown a ton um, because of social media and other, you know, media involvement, right? Instagram, I think, single-handedly has been a reason this sport has, has taken off and become more mainstream as it is. Um, and then a lot of independent media companies have been getting involved. But it seems like in in other powerlifting federations, especially, you know, in Multiply, with it being such a small and dying, I would say already dead, mm-hmm. but we'll call it dying for today, dying uh, sport, it seems like they, they have a lot more kind of freedom to dictate the direction of their sport. And... I don't remember exactly when, but very recently, West Side versus the World um, was a documentary that came out, and it kind of explained the whole dynamic at West Side, um, which is essentially the mecca for multiply lifting. And then soon after, um, I think Dave Hoff was the first one to break the news about it, that the WPO World Championship, blah, 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 whatever, is going to be aired on ESPN. And that's kind of where we're at now. Mm-hmm. So the reason that I think so many people are completely turned off from multiply lifting is not necessarily because of the involvement of gear. Because there are plenty of people, um, you know, in the USAPL, for example, who would not lift single ply, have no desire to lift single ply, but respect the skill that comes with the sport, mm-hmm. right? And I think the biggest part about that is that the judging standards of single ply lifting are exactly the fucking same yeah. as in the U- as in the USAPL or as in raw lifting rather. But we've seen time and time again that because the multiply world is so small, um, you know, it's it's the same faces you see over and over again. Um, and it's run essentially by them. There's no like, you know, they, they call it the world championship, but realistically there's, you know, 20, 25 American lifters who are really the, the, the faces of multiply lifting. And it's become a circle jerk. It's become, um, a laughing stock. Mm-hmm. Many of us have seen the super high multiply squats. We've seen the touch and go benches. Um, we've seen Dave Hoff stuff his shirt. We've seen unlocked out deadlifts. Um, and I think that's, that's you know, the main reason people don't like multiply lifting. Mm-hmm. Aside from the fact that, you know, you have guys who will brag and tote a 1,000-pound squat who, without multiply, probably are squatting around 6 to 650. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I know personally a multiply lifter, I won't say his name, who has a, you know, I want to say like a 20-something hundred total, but raw, I'm stronger than him. Yeah. And it's not a, it's not a brag, right? It's a it's a testament to the fact that like okay, how how strong are you really? The thing is when you when you brag an absolute number, you leave out the context behind it, right? Like you mm-hmm. could say you lift multiply, but it's like you're you're you purposely make a mention of such a large number, right? But it's it's not really that impressive. Mm-hmm. Um I guess the, the, the short and sweet 
of why I don't like um, WPO being on ESPN, and I'll let you talk because I know I've been I've been rambling as soon as you asked me this question. No, that's uh, why you're on, man. No, the short the short and sweet of it is just that ESPN is going to be is watched by tons of people, yep. and us in the powerlifting community know that this is not the the gold standard of lifting quality, mm-hmm. and this is going to be broadcasted as the gold standard of lifting quality. Yeah, yeah, I. I agree with you on that point at the end of there because again my take my taste in powerlifting would obviously fall in the raw category. It, it's and, and even single ply really it will it will fall in if I want to be entertained and I want to watch powerlifting it'll be raw or raw with wraps. Mm-hmm. That's how I would watch powerlifting. Multi ply does kind of turn me off from the points that you mentioned, and the the curiosity for me is that judging point. Like how is it going to be judged? We have people who might be new viewers of powerlifting watching this event, and if the judging is subpar that day, and I don't even I don't even know if you can get strict with uh, multiply lifting. If you start getting strict, everyone's gonna fucking bomb out. Yeah. Like if you really go by the definition of multiply lifting, and, and with the squat suits, everyone may bomb out. If you really go with, like, it has to be below parallel, that's going to be a massive fucking problem. So you at least yeah. got to have them have one squat in, but then if everyone goes one for three, that's not entertaining. Like, the is the entertaining part the fact that they might get collapsed with the bar on their back? If the bar falls forward, is the danger aspect the big draw of it? That is my problem with the WPO being on ESPN. Overall, I think it's good for the sport that anything is being broadcast on ESPN. Now, I don't know the specifics of it. ESPN is it's probably like ESPN Plus, right? It's ESPN3. Okay, so is that that's the online service, right? I actually don't know. I I think you can watch ESPN3 if you have certain you okay. know, cable packages. Okay. Um on TV. Okay. Um, yeah, I was wondering <laughs> what the specifics of that, but yeah, I, I I do agree with the the judging aspect, and I and I remember, and it's it is becoming a bit of a circle jerk when certain guys are getting those calls because they're associated with Westside, because they're world record, they're world re- they have world record totals, world record lifts, and when I saw that unlocked out deadlift at APF Nationals, I'm like, well, fuck, I this isn't squat depth they're talking about this isn't a bench command this is a lockout on a deadlift very easy to call i think Mm -hmm. most people who don't even judge or people don't have any sort of you know association with power of things like well he just fell he slipped you can't call that a deadlift if he slipped yeah so i don't want to see any of that either or there's people getting passed so it's like oh all these lifts are counting because you can't have a bunch of world-class lifters bomb out at a meet yeah, well, when I when I think of the logistics of it, I think I'm curious to see how they're going to do it at all because powerlifting on TV in general, whether it was multiply, single ply, or raw, um, to me seems very cluttered, mm-hmm. right? Because you have a platform with spotters and judges, um, and then it's slow, right? Yes. You have, you know, it, there are some meets in the USAPL where they really, really speed it along. But other than that, powerlifting meets move pretty slow. Now, you have multiply where the guys have to get in their suits. They have to get their wrap. Most of them are not in good shape. I've seen multiply lifters with oxygen tanks at meets. Yes, and I've, I've been told this before by other people 
when they tell me like don't make sure you don't uh gas yourself out at a meet i was like how the fuck am i gonna gas myself out doing nine movements have you guys played any other sport growing up i i don't it's nine <laughs> movements i'm like i that's nothing that's like really that's actually a really easy workout day for me yeah, and it, it was from like APF lifters who were you know big and geared, and they're all cool. Yeah, but right. I was I was sitting there like confused, like gas myself out. <laughs> I'm not running a fucking 10k here. I'm yeah. lifting weight once. But continue. <laughs> the other thing is they they don't adhere to the timer. Okay. Like, in in multiply lifting, I've even seen it at some bigger USPA meets, but. In multiply lifting, they don't adhere to the one-minute timer. Okay. Right? So you have, especially since this meet is going to be like a best of the best, they're going to give everybody their sweet time to get up to the platform for people to, you know, they're going to take more time uh, loading the weights so that people have more time in between attempts, right? I'm curious logistically, first of all, how this isn't going to be boring to watch, even if even if you don't know that multiply is fucking lame. Yeah. Like, if you're a new viewer... <laughs> If you're a new viewer and you're like, okay, I'm excited to watch some powerlifting, like 90% of what you're watching is going to be plates being changed or dudes walking up to the bar. So Mm -hmm. logistically, first of all, it's going to be slow. Second, with the weights being so super maximal, you're going to have a shit ton of spotters on the platform. You have the straps of the monolith. You have the face of the monolith. Mm -hmm. You have the side judges. You have the front judge. I don't know where they're going to film from. I don't know if they're going to be like, okay, this is a TV televised thing. All of them collectively decide they're mm-hmm. going to change the layout of the of a meat platform. I have no idea what they're going to do. Yeah. Um, in that regard, but yeah, like we were saying, man, it's just it's a bad um, it's a bad first taste, I think, of powerlifting for the general public. Now, mm-hmm. back in I think the '80s, back in you know the ADFPF. And when USAPL and ADFPF were kind of joined, you had single ply on TV. You have Gene Bell you could watch on TV, Ed Cohn. Um, there was a period of time where powerlifting was aired on, on television. It was single ply. Um, but the guys were, first of all, the suits were not what the suits are now, yeah. first of all. Second, they were fucking yoked. They all looked like bodybuilders. Mm-hmm. Um which is, in my opinion, I think if I, you know, just as a, as a viewer, not even as a powerlifter, I would rather see guys who look muscular rather than guys who are really fat and purple. Yeah, and I, I think that I agree I think with that, that. Seeing more jacked-looking dudes is more exciting to watch than yeah, I, fat dudes. Well, like it kind of has that professional wrestling feel when they're jacked and like almost superhuman looking. Uh, yep. it, that's a big pull in like WWE is to get someone who looks the part. Yeah, who look like looking the part is like a big thing. The skill might not exactly be there, um, and this is speaking pro- professional wrestling. But looking the part and doing what they're supposed to be doing, that does help viewerships. I mean, it's it's a proven formula. Yeah, that you know, like the more attractive or even the more the person who looks like they can lift a thousand pounds is yeah. going to get more viewers, and that's just kind of like a. That goes across the spectrum for all sports. It's like a coincidence that the good-looking guys, the superhuman-looking guys, are the faces of the sport. No, absolutely. And, you know, I have – here, let me pull it up. I have the roster right in front of me of of the WPO meet. Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of these these faces before, and it's just – 
I don't know who is going to watch these lifters and be like, yeah, that's 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 cool to me. You know, that's powerlifting to me. Well, and just reaching out to like a main or like the targeted audience. I feel like the West Side crew and or the West Side uh, lifters and the people who are multiply are definitely falling out of touch of what's cool to the viewers now and what's yep. you know hip. And I think that it, even if you broadcast on ESPN, you know the 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 population of lifters now are younger. They're more involved in social media, more involved in Instagram. And even if it's on ESPN, I think it'll be, I think it'll still get ratings, but it'll just be a lot of ratings from us, you know, kind of USAPL or younger lifters kind of trashing it a little bit. Like where it becomes yeah, more, mean, like we will tune in, but just like, oh, that's a fucking joke. I think it will definitely get a lot of views simply because this is the first time powerlifting has ever been, um, or not ever, but it's the first time powerlifting has been broadcasted in a very long time. Um, so I think that there will be a ton of people tuning in, but to, to, to piggyback off your point there about, you know, what's cool, right? The people at West side, you know, I have to, I honestly have to give Louis Simmons some credit because he essentially came up with the concept of periodization for powerlifting before he even knew what the fuck to call it. Mm -hmm. Right. Like we, you know, we all periodize our training in some sort of way and that essentially, you know, Westside was like a, a, a old form of DUP before it got kind of wacky with all of the, the variations and stuff. But, you know, looking not only at the roster and looking at physically what these people look like, right? It's the whole Westside culture of like, are you willing to die for the barbell? The over-aggressiveness, kind of like this almost compensatory these compensatory behaviors for whatever issues they have, it's not relatable and it's not, it's like a turnoff to watch. Like, it's just very cringe. Um, and I think that that's something that is just going to be very unsettling and uncomfortable to watch. Like, I'm very, very confident that when they're, when this gets broadcasted, they are going to go through the roster. They're going to have interviews. They're going to have B-roll footage where the guys are talking over it about their life, about what powerlifting means to them, blah, blah, blah. And the reason powerlifting has gotten so popular mainstream is because it's promoted this culture of, like, getting strong for the sake of getting strong and, like, a very, like, communal, like, camaraderie-based community. It's, like, very sporty and this is just, like, very, like, ugh, I want to die for the barbell. Like, I fucking hate the guy I'm competing against. Like, I'm going to fucking bash their skull in, blah, blah, blah. And it's, like, that's not that's not why, you know, they're powerlifters on Instagram with hundreds of thousands of followers, right? That's mm -hmm. not why, like, you can go into any college gym now and you'll see a kid wearing a pair of SBD knee sleeves, right? Like, they are so stuck in their 80s and 90s powerlifting that they are just, like, unwilling to accept, like, the direction and the reason why powerlifting is popular today. They are not the reason why. Yeah, excellent. Re yeah, really good point. Kind of, like, read my mind on that, too, because that's exactly what I was thinking when the intensity of it. And, and, and let me bring this point up. Did you watch West Side First World? Yes. Okay. I didn't think it was a bad film. I thought the documentary was good. I still was, but there was points of it where I kind of just rolled my eyes completely 
Yeah. And it was at the point where, like, I think if Louis could have done it over again, he would have been a fighter. They're like, why the fuck didn't he fight then? <laughs> oh, wait, wait, he was born when? 1940s? 50s? Oh, no, he's he's older than that. Okay. He was born in, like, yeah, like, ni- I guess 1940s, yeah, you're right. Oh, okay. Boxing was incredibly popular from the 19th century till now. You could have easily boxed, dude. You yeah, could I easily totally fought. Box, but I, you know, I tore my rotator cuff. The compensating kind of thing. Yeah. Like the, the the that tough guy demeanor when they were like, I think if he could have done over again, he would have he would have fought. Like, dude, boxing was, and he grew up in Ohio. Boxing is fucking huge in Ohio. It's either you play football or fight in Ohio. It's all there is <laughs> to do. And when they had that thing, like, oh, he would have fought. I'm like, it, he, he could have fought. It could have been easy, and it was that, like... But he didn't. Yeah, and it was, it was that cringe a little bit, because it was like, okay, it's that, that tough guy feel. Yeah. Like, the tough, like, I'm willing to die for the weight, and that gives you that tough guy sense, where in reality, it's like, you you definitely could have done these things that you wanted to do. Yeah. It's just, it's, in, in all honesty, probably much easier lifting weights. So, yeah. there's that thing, and then, a very good point with the 80s and 90s feel... And the aggressive little tones that athletes take, especially when it's in a sport of like weightlifting, I I even see it with other sports now, where even if it is a combat sport, even if it is a sport that involves you know aggressive behavior, the popular people are now the nonchalant, sarcastic, apathetic people. Not the super intense veins coming out of their face, tattoos all over the place, people, you know, screaming like, oh, I'm going to fucking destroy competition. It's, it's, it's like, it's like Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior and pro wrestling where yeah. that shit, it, that ended. People didn't want to see that anymore. They wanted to see smart asses. They wanted to see sarcastic assholes. Yeah. Like that's what they wanted to see. And it wasn't exactly, it's, it's, they're not flaunt about it. It's like, you can still yeah, talk I mean, shit in USAPL and all that kind of stuff, but it's a much different tone, and I think they're they're marketing to the wrong people. They're marketing to the people who grew up with, like, those 80s and 90s cartoons, like He-Man and all those kind of shit, and not the 20-somethings who didn't grow up with that shit. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I, I definitely... Look, I, I'm definitely a an, an intense lifter. I'm a big fan of being intense. Sometimes you need to yeah. kind of channel and and control aggression you know for the sake of lifting right it is heavyweight but you know we've had this discussion before the problem is just the the cringeworthy over dramatization of like what it means to lift weights like, yeah i think people outside of you know multiply right like you might get aggressive and hyped up for a lift you might be a very intense person but like you acknowledge that like lifting weights is lifting weights right like they make it seem like you've heard the quote a thousand times like oh we're going to war yeah we're going to battle i'm a fucking gladiator blah 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 it's like no dude you're not you're fucking standing in place you can't even walk out your squat yeah you have to fucking <laughs> just stand up and it makes um, me more upset when there's actually a sport that is a gladiator you're getting yeah. paid to fight and like you're literally trying to assault person like like that, there's many sports like that. So don't yeah, call yeah, yourself a gladiator when there's not, literal not, gladiators going on. <laughs> it's not that hard. Um, no. Yeah, I, I think the issue is that you know, I think, and I said this on the on the Four Horsemen podcast that I have with John, Joey, and Russ. The blame is kind of you know you can put some of the blame on the USAPL, the mm-hmm. USPA, 
right? Granted, I, I don't think the USAPL, the higher-ups at least, don't really want to go this direction. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that's kind of caused some of the the disdain between the members and kind of the, the governing body. It's because, you know, powerlifting has grown so much from social media and the media-driven direction is the one that we want to take. And I think some of the older, you know, incumbents don't want to go that direction, mm-hmm. right? But the guys at Westside decided to make a documentary. They put the time in. They put the money in. Whether or not you thought it was shitty, it got made, yeah. right? So when somebody comes to ESPN, right, and says, look, we want to have powerlifting on our on your network, right, however they approached it, right? First of all, they took the time to approach ESPN, which the USAPL and USPA have not done mm-hmm. at all. But even if they had, who do you think is going to get there? The ones who have put in the production value to make a documentary about the sport that sells a story to the mainstream? Or the people who won't even allow more than one, you know, media company to film at the biggest event that they host Mm -hmm. all year round, right? So, in a way, they kind of earned it, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. The the WPO and, and you know, the West Side community, they earned it, right? They put in the work, they did the research, and they they got their lifts on ESPN. And ESPN doesn't know better, right? Like... There's nobody over at ESPN who really follows powerlifting, yeah. right? Like a couple of years ago when, when um, you know, I faced off against John Gruden, uh, Deuce Gruden, John Gruden's son mm-hmm. uh, at, at the World Championship. They made a, you know, they made a big deal about it on, on ESPN because it's John Gruden's son, yeah. right? But nobody at ESPN knows powerlifting, right? It was just kind of like a, oh, he is related to one of the greatest football coaches of all time. We're going to make a big deal about this. The kid's Jack. The kid's crazy strong. That's, you know, I'm making mention of it just to say that it's it's something that's cool to, you know, ESPN and, and other sports broadcasting companies because for all, you know, major sports, people are lifting heavy weights and the concept of lifting heavy weights is mm-hmm. interesting. But there's nobody over at ESPN like, oh, yeah, I've seen Multiply. That shit's fucking stupid. Oh, why are we not airing raw lifters? Whatever, whatever. You know... The people who come to them with a with a plan and a message and a story are going to be the ones who who get shown. And at this point in time, there's only one group of people doing that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and a lot of people bought that up on our comments as well. That the WPO and the people at Westside outworked everyone else to get on ESPN, and that is a yeah. fact. They definitely outworked everyone else. And thinking of other federations being in the you know in the spotlight like ESPN, I've always kind of thought to myself, like I don't know if as a competitor, if I even want that, because at a point there's something cool about like it being a underground kind of, you know, this is our community. And once we try to make it mainstream, that's when it gets a little diluted, mm-hmm. you know, and I think, and I always make the comparison between that and the UFC back when I watched it, when I was in high school and how cool it was that, I mean, it was still a great sport. It wasn't like that no holes bar kind of thing, but it was cool that it was like this little community of mixed martial arts people and they watch it and they have fun. But once it got mainstream, it just became a clusterfuck of things with this, what, you know, how are they going to broadcast it? How is this going to happen? You know, the pays started getting, the fights started getting a little bit um, watered down because of it too. And I don't know as a powerlifter if I even wanted to be pushed on ESPN, especially if, I know for a fact that it's not exactly a spectator-friendly sport, no matter yeah. what federation you're looking at. If you're looking at IPF Worlds, and if you're looking at WPO, it's not spectator-friendly. 
No. There's a no. lot of times, but at the same time, they let fucking golf on, you know, ESPN and CBS Sports, and I just, like, how the hell is anyone going to watch eight hours of this? And they do. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm not exactly a powerlifting uh, visionary. And also to another point for ESPN not knowing about powerlifting, I've seen it so many times with, you know, ever see those, like, college like athletes get re- like post on ESPN House of Highlights Bleacher Report when they yeah yeah they'll post a squat or a bench that's high or, or heavily it's a, spotted oh no, it's not even that or it's like yeah I remember John Cena's deadlifted uh six thirty for two mm-hmm. I I'm I think there's one seventy four guys in the world who could do that for five or six yeah. Like, that's like, you see, John Cena's a beast. He's deadlifting 600 pounds. And, you know, but the power of the part. So yeah. the weight's impressive. Yeah, absolutely. Right? That's, the, that's the thing. They, like, I've, like we've said, they, they lack context, right? So mm-hmm. if you have a guy who looks larger than life, it doesn't matter what weight's on the bar. Someone could have called it 300 pounds. Someone could have called it 900 pounds. People are going to find it just as impressive, right? Because they don't know what 600 pounds feels like. They don't know what 800 pounds yeah. feels like. Some Most people don't even know what 300 pounds feels like. So they just look at the person. They say, oh, shit, he's pretty jacked. Yeah. Well, that weight must be pretty heavy. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, for sure. And I and somebody did make this comment on the comments as well. Um, speaking of, like, what the viewers are going to know and what the people within the sport are going to know, um, apparently, like, so back in the 80s and or late 90s, I believe it was, they uh, there was a multiply um, competition. It was broadcasted, I think, on ESPN. Not exactly sure, but the announcers could not figure out why the bar wouldn't hit the chest of the competitors. They were just so confused, like how the fuck isn't the bar getting to their chest? Because guys were like bombing because they couldn't yeah. get the bar to the chest, and they were confused, like. Isn't that the easy part? Getting it to your chest? I thought coming up was hard. So yeah. they had no idea how the equipment works. So there's going to, it's, I'm curious to see if there's going to be a disconnect on how they do that, especially with viewers and the people just spectating and the people involved. Yeah. Like why, why isn't the bar hitting the chest? Or why did it just like go forward like that? And then you have to explain the gear to them and all that kind of stuff too. Yeah, they won't know the intricacies of the sport. Before you go, are you going to tune in? Am I going to tune in? What do you mean? Are you going to tune in to WPO and being on ESPN? Oh, I'll probably watch. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See. I'll, probably, I'll probably check it out. I'm sure there'll be highlights. Like, I guarantee I'm going to go on, like, Instagram one day, and yeah. Sports Center is going to be like, 1,200 pound squat, Dave Hoff, and it's going to be like, fucking. But I think, you know, I think this is, this is the, this is another bad part about it, right? We talk about how. Yeah, I just want to get, you know, I have two last thoughts to get in. You know, we talked about how the the public is blind to what powerlifting is, and this is going to be a bad first view of it. But also on the other side of it, like, people have these very hard, hard and fast rules about lifting weights, specifically the big three. Mm-hmm. Just general people who have been in the gym, right? Yeah. They don't like people who squat wide. Yeah. They don't like people who don't squat ass to grass. Mm-hmm. They don't like people who to bench with an arch. Yeah. They don't like people who deadlift sumo. Mm-hmm. You are going to see fucking all of those things. All that right? and more. So you're going to have some people, right, who we've spoken about who are going to be like, oh, I guess this is powerlifting, whatever. It's kind of lame. Mm-hmm. But then you also have people who like kind of like, you know how they say a little bit of knowledge is dangerous, right? These are the people who have been in the gym. They've maybe bodybuilded with a couple friends before. They're going to watch it and be like, this shit's fucking stupid. Look how wide this guy's squatting. He's not even hitting depth. Yeah. Look at the arch on bench. Look at him pulling sumo. That's not a real deadlift, right? So you're going to have a lot of negative 
feedback from the people who are kind of really just stuck in their bro lifter kind yeah. of mindset of what is an acceptable lift um, and what isn't. I yeah, I definitely agree with you on on that point as well. And 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 I bring that up because I was talking to uh, Chris Bridgeford about it and how he was kind of like, man, it's kind of a shame the WPO is on ESPN and not the other federations. I'm like, but you gonna tune in? He's like, well, yeah, of course I'm gonna watch. I'm like, well, there you go. <laughs> it's like there. It's like all like there's gonna be. It, it is. It is good that like powerlifters are going to be tuning into it and the the backlash of it still. I could think you could turn that negative into a positive, where the backlash is going to be guys shitting on it, the bro lifters are going to be shit shit on it, the powerlifting purists are probably going to shit on it. Then you got the old school powerlifters who are going to praise it, but get really pissed off that all these natty elitists are uh, shitting on the competition itself, and all that is probably good for the sport because it gets yeah. the sport it gets it, the sport at least talked about. Which is which is a good thing. It's I don't know because I because I really don't tune into a lot of live streams, and I'm probably going to tune into that one, or at least for yeah, a minute I mean, or two. I guess I guess that kind of helps. I guess the direction I'd want to see you know powerlifting as a whole go into it. You know, people always talk about the Olympics. Mm-hmm. I've said this before. I don't want powerlifting being the Olympics, right? Yeah. Once a sport becomes that high stakes, other countries start to dope because they have a reason to dope. Yeah. Um, and we'll just we'll just see a lot of people beating drug tests like we do in a, actual Olympic sports. Yeah. But the direction I want to see it go in is we have all of these really talented private media companies and all of these talented supplement companies, apparel companies, right? If these federations like the USAPL for example start valuing these private companies, right? Yeah. Allow them to 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 sell themselves at meets allow them to provide quality media, right? You get more people involved in the sport so that these companies can grow, so that they have enough money to sponsor athletes, so that they have enough money to put on productions, mm-hmm. right? So it's going mainstream in a sense that you're grow- you know, you're pulling from the, the general public to increase the population of the sport, but it still stays within its own atmosphere, right? It doesn't have to go to ESPN. It doesn't yeah. have to go to the Olympics, right? It can stay... Right there in Lombard, Illinois, it can stay in Spokane, Washington. Yeah. But now these private companies, the Loaded Bar Collectives, the LVDs, the SBD Medias, they have so much more money now. They have so many more customers that the productions they can put on, the quality content they can put out is just so much more than what it is now. Yeah. Right? And you'd be able to pay athletes, right? Mm -hmm. Be able to, you know, just put on these productions and make the sport better like it would heighten the sport from having this you know laissez-faire sort of just free market kind of attitude if you are you know the governing body if you're the president of mm-hmm. whatever federation so that's the direction i want to see the sport going yeah and I, I i love that point because i i've always just said i would like powerlifting to be more mainstream in the fitness community yeah that like that's let's get that out of the way first like that's you know because the olympia is fucking huge I think that, like, if it becomes to that point where it becomes like the Olympia or like the CrossFit Games or something like that, that is a huge win. And right now, in my opinion, it's not to that level. Not so let, let's work on getting powerlifting mainstream in fitness. And then from there, we could take it to mainstream and other levels too. But I think just being just being a really big fitness draw would be a massive, massive win, success, and 
that would that would be the direction I would want it into where lifters are being paid and it's a big draw in the fitness community. Yeah. You know, I want I just want to make one last point, you know, before we before we cut this and you get on to your interview with your lovely guest. I think, you know, I I thought about this a little bit. I think almost for the demographic of this um part of the demographic being like you know, kind of the older generation, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you, you have your, you know, there's a kid sitting out there who's 10 years old and he's with his mom and dad and it's summertime. They're, you know, they're barbecuing outside and they go inside and watch, you know, the WPO, like someone watched the world's strongest man. Mm-hmm. Um, there's almost this kind of, I'm not going to say superhero because it's not, they're not superheroes, but they're almost like, it's almost like a circus act. Yeah. The the Dave Hoffs, the the Shauna Mendelsons, these people don't look like normal people. Yeah. Right? Nobody watching wants to look like Dave Hoff. Nobody watching wants to look like Shauna Mendelson. And because of that, I think for the the viewers who are so far removed from ever touching a weight again, mm-hmm. it kind of makes them feel like, okay, these are like almost not humans. Like I'm watching a performance right now. Like this is the that's the appeal of it. Right, it's like these are like fucking animals, monsters. They look absolutely crazy, like freaks. This is not a a reasonable look for somebody like me, nor has it ever been. Mm-hmm. Right, so that almost adds this entertainment factor because it's it's almost like a fantasy to them. Like they cannot mm-hmm. relate to being able to look like that or move like that. But I think that had you, you know, let's say USAPL Raw Nationals is aired on television, you have. 180 pound dudes, a very attainable body weight for most men. Yeah. Lifting weights that are insane. You have beautiful women who don't look like men, like in the WPO, who are lifting crazy weights. They're not overly muscular, right? Yeah. They look like they're in shape, but they are very, very strong. Mm-hmm. I've thought, I think people watching this would almost feel badly about themselves and not want to watch it. I think that because of how relatable these people look and, you know, there are going to be, you know, there are plenty of 150-pound women who just look in shape out there, mm-hmm. or there are women who want to look like that, right? But then you see them lifting all this weight, and there's almost a discouraging factor to it. Yeah. I think that there are going to be people watching, you know, in the hypothetical world where, you know, there's a John Hack pre-switching to USPA, right? John, Let's say John back when he was in the USAPL, right? You have a John deadlifting 700 pounds. You have a... Uh, you know, Daniela Mello squatting 500 pounds. Like, when you're watching that as a as a viewer, you're like, that's that's another person, right? So mm-hmm. it's like, fuck, like, it's not like playing baseball. It's not like playing football, right, where there's this huge process to getting recruited, drafted. Like, anybody can pick it up. So yeah. If you're watching this and you're like, I definitely could look like that, but what the fuck am I doing to get there? It's almost like, well, shit, I'm a lazy piece of crap, right? It's like they're, they're so relatable mm-hmm. that it's almost – it almost, you know, this is just theory of mine, yeah. right? It's almost so, re- it's so relatable that it like makes you feel bad about yourself that you are not like taking the steps to get to a physique or a look that you like supposedly want to get to. Whereas with the WPO, it's like, all right, well, I don't even want to look like that, nor will I ever. They're on tons of steroids, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Like this is my, this is my, this is my fantasy TV for the day. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, interesting point you made there, but I think it could also work on both ends of the spectrum because I think CrossFit 
always had that pull that they're muscular, they're big, but they're handsome. They're fucking, they're like, they're ripped, they're kizzled, and they do pretty incredible things. I'm not going to shit on CrossFit. They do pretty incredible things. And I think CrossFit is responsible putting more barbells in the hands of people than any other of the fitness um, sports. So, and I think a lot of that is people like, you know what, they don't look that different than I do. I think I can get to that level with all the hard work. Granted, a lot of them are on steroids. The CrossFit is steroid rampant, it, uh, especially with the CrossFit games. But I think that it could work on both ends of the spectrum where if they see someone like Hack who doesn't look completely different than them, they're like, all right, maybe I could – or it could um, just generate a little bit of interest, like that spark of curiosity where they get into yeah. the gym and more people will be inclined to powerlift. No, that's that's totally fair. I think – I think, like I said, for the younger generation, that is definitely the effect it will yeah. have. But I feel like for the people who are far removed from it, I think that, you know, there, you know, a lot of older people who might watch it, right, just like the same, you know, older people who might watch The World's Strongest Man, they're not getting out there and lifting Atlas stones. They're not getting out there and going to do muscle-ups, yeah. right? Like they watch it s- simply for the entertainment factor. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I was saying, you know, we know that powerlifting being aired on TV – any sport that we are a part of, you know, if we were, you know, whatever sport we we might be a part of, right, it getting broadcast to more people would make more people do it, yeah. right? We can't, we're not going to dispute that, but I think that for, you know, for the for the demographic that is watching simply for an entertainment factor, mm-hmm. I think that suspension of, of reality by watching some of these freak shows makes it more entertaining for some people than if they looked more like people. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I just thought about this now. I could imagine something like the WPO being broadcast on ESPN would be that uh that like that little lull that you have in sports where there's literally nothing to watch. Baseball season's over, basketball right when basketball season's over, there's like really nothing to watch. And that could be that thing where you're flipping through the channels like, "What what the fuck is this?" Yeah. And you're right. just watching like, "What the hell's going on here?" Or the classic one when I was in high school, the one o'clock, two o'clock when I just got done drinking with my friends and came home and just flipping through the channels and I see something stupid on ESPN and just watch that and just laugh the entire time, like monster truck rallies, bowling, uh, fucking archery or something, what they would put on like ESPN two at one o'clock in the morning. That might be the major draw of WPO. Yeah. Is that drunk channel surfing seeing something crazy they're like what the fuck is this and tune in for like 35 minutes so i just thought of, i thought about the old days of 35 minutes to see two squats <laughs> yeah and all well, the it's like okay the, this is a guy getting helped into the suit this is a guy getting helped into the shirt what's happening right now why does he look that big what is the suit doing what is any of this so uh, hey, well, i you know more than i think about it there's no way they can do it live there's Fuck no it, do it live. Broadcast it live. Well, no, it would just have to be a lot of, like, production value. If they yeah, do, exactly. they, they would have yeah. to cut through interviews. They would have to cut to, like, either, like, uh, some boards or something, like the world record list, like, that kind of stuff. Or maybe, I, I don't, I, I agree with you. Like, live will be really difficult for that. And I was always thinking about that as far as, there's no, I mean, even in raw lifting, there's not a, there, you said USAPL is quick, but not that quick. Not quick yeah, like other sports. Yeah. I mean, it'd be either a lot of commercial breaks, 
and a lot of just visuals and, you know, graphs and all that kind of stuff and just maybe cut to interviews to just minimize the downtime because we are, what do you think, like three minutes minimum between lifts? Shit. It might be. You know, obviously in the USAPL it's one, but we could. That could happen, yeah. I'm going to broker some bets and do like a little bookie and just do like over under three minutes in between lifts and see (laughs) like we could set the odds on that. Not the weight, but the odds on this in between lifts because, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. It will be hard to do live. Um, and that is another problem that I think powerlifting in general is going to face, but this would be definitely heightened. Yeah. All right, brother. Thank you for coming on, talking some shit with us. No problem. Can't wait to see you in, what are we, seven weeks out? About seven, yeah. I'm getting there uh, when the week starts. I'll be there on Monday. Sweet. Hang out for a couple days before everything starts. So seven weeks out from being in beautiful, luxurious Lombard, Illinois. It's the, you know, like the fifth best suburb in Illinois. So you're going to be in, you're going to be a good hand. So Lombard is actually pretty solid though. You know what's, wait, 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 I have to, I have to make a, a comment on that. You said the fifth best suburb in Illinois. Yeah. I was on the train one time in DC and there was a, there was an online college. Like there was like a poster for an online college on the subway. Yeah. And they marketed it as, marketed it as the second cheapest online college. <laughs> Oh shit, that's pretty great. I was like, bro, why the fuck would you do that? Now someone's just gonna go find out what the cheapest one is. It's not like there's a fucking yeah. lengthy admissions process to online college. Yeah, say one of the cheapest online colleges, one of the best suburbs in Illinois. I said fifth to be a dick. <laughs> like intentionally be a dick. But yeah, uh really excited to see you out there. I'm excited to see you, man. All right. Don't let me out deadlift you. All right. I'll try not to. You're fucking doing good. <laughs> Everyone, it's a, I'm just going on Instagram. I'm like, oh, everyone's getting stronger. This is fucking great. No pressure now. <laughs> like literally everyone yeah. on my lift, on my lift, everyone's getting better. You're underweight. Keep eating. Yeah, I'm trying. Yeah, I, I am trying to do that, but we'll see. We'll see. All right, man. All right. Speaking of USAPL Nationals and 83 KG lifters, I had a terrific interview with Carson Allen, and that is coming up next and as promised i got with me one of the best 83 kg lifters in the usapl he's 22 years old he lives in illinois he's big he's strong i lifted him with him yesterday here is one of my favorite lifters currently carson allen dalen power how the fuck are you what's up dude i'm fucking good how are you pretty good my man how, how you how you feeling after yesterday's workout a little sore, knees are a little achy and stiff, but I didn't do my stretching like I should have, so I got to recover up. Yeah, it's probably my fault. I talk too much, like when I get to gyms. That's probably my yeah. fault. Yeah, we talked for. <laughs> I think I was there for four hours. Oh really? I yeah. I was there for four hours, and I did only deadlifts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that that's not a good uh, marketing for me for people who want to lift with me because I just end up talking to people about, you know, the, the shit we talk about on two white lights pretty much. But like, I, I should maybe do that for a show idea. Just <laughs> fucking walk around a gym with my microphone and just put it down and just listen to us talk prior True. to lifts during lifts, because that's pretty much what two white lights is, is me talking about weightlifting. And I'd be jacked on free. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, fuck yeah. 
All right, man. So I loved it with you yesterday. Well, uh, big shout out to Fitness America in East Peoria. Fucking awesome gym to train at. Uh, had a really good time there. So lifted with you yesterday. Always wanted to interview you. Um, this is one of those things that I've I've watched you lift for a pretty good amount of time, and immediately being impressed with you with your technique, with how strong you are, um, competing in the same weight class as me. I'm a little biased towards Illinois lifters as well. If you're in the state of Illinois, I definitely gravitate towards those lifters as well. But, yeah, I've been following for a long time and seeing some really good progress and turning a lot of heads at 83 kg. But how did you get your start in fitness in general? Give us a bit of your origin story. Um, So I always played sports as a kid, but I was like, I was naturally kind of strong, um, never lifted weights, but in high school, I got into weight training, uh, sophomore year. So I was like 14 or 15, I was like 110 pounds. And, uh, I just got really strong, really quick. And then everyone kind of noticed that. And, uh, then I started going to the gym outside of school with one of my friends and, uh, I passed him up super quick. Uh, then I just kind of kept, kept to it. Then senior year, um, I started doing deadlift and bench, and I got, like, I deadlifted 500 within, like, three months of deadlifting. Okay. And I benched, uh, Holy shit. And I gained on bench really fast, too. Like, I benched three plates in, in high school, weighing, like, 150, and I had no idea what I was doing. Because this is before, like, Instagram got really big. This is probably four years ago, four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. I had no clue what I was doing. I was just destroying my body and killing it. Yeah. Benching and doing, I was doing a five by five deadlift like four times a week. <laughs> so I just had like, I was just working and I was invincible. <laughs> and then, uh, now I'm snapped up. So it, <laughs> it caught up to me. But, uh, then I did, do you, are you familiar with WAP? That federation? Um, I've heard of it, familiar with it, not really. But it, it, I've heard the Federation. So, yeah, my dad was like, yeah, they do competitions for this stuff. So, like, you should do one. And, like, there was literally one five minutes from my house. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, like, 30 people, and it took, like, 12 hours. Okay. So, <laughs> that was my first meet I did. I didn't know <laughs> what I was doing. Like, I did a 5x5 five five on everything two days out. Okay. Like, a max 5x5. Five five. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, Dan Bell is actually there. Do you know who Dan Bell is? Mm. He is a uh, big bearded dude, giant. He lifts like raw, like uh, big dogs. Oh, okay, then I don't know. I was thinking of someone else. No, no. He, he looks just like Brandon Allen. He's okay, Brandon Allen. If you know who that is. Yes, I, I know Brandon Allen. I mean, uh, yeah, but, pretty much cliche bearded power lifter. Yes, <laughs> but he's pretty popular too. I think. I think he has like thirty thousand on Instagram. So okay. But, was at that meet and I was like what the heck is this sport so then uh yeah I kind of got the got kind of got hooked after my first meet um then I did a uh UPA meet mm-hmm. I two UPA meets then I found out what USAPL was okay so it took me a while before I even knew what USAPL even was but then as I got in USAPL and got into Instagram I kind of figured out what I was doing Mm-hmm. So it kind of just started in high school, just being strong really quick. Yeah, and that's a that's a case for a lot of lifters, especially the young ones. The young ones start in high school and they actually start competing in high school, and especially now with social media, 
you're seeing a lot of those guys kind of gravitate towards competing at an earlier age. And yeah, you're definitely one of those. So it, so when you were coming up through the ranks of USAPL or just getting involved in powerlifting, what were some of the, like, the channels and like the pages and the lifters you saw that brought you further into the sport? So the the uh, biggest one, probably like everyone's answer, is Josh Hancock and Brett Gibbs when they were when Josh Hancock was really big, mm-hmm. and because that was my old weight class. So that's he was actually my coach. I actually had him as my coach for a for like six to eight weeks. Uh, that's a whole different story. I didn't like it anyways, but <laughs> so I don't like him anymore. But as I, when I started, uh, yeah, he was like my idol, like my power feet idol. I'm going to be completely honest. I don't even know who that is. Josh Hancock? No. See, what? here's the funny thing. Here's, here's the funny thing about me having a podcast. I started lifting in powerlifting three years ago. So yeah, I okay. missed the, like yeah. so I missed the wave of like yeah. the YouTube guys and like the other initial guys. Like the only ones I really remember were kind of Candido, but Lane Norton was my big one. Oh yeah. And that was because I was super into like nutrition and bodybuilding when I was in college, not really powerlifting. And I just really? noticed that he was a powerlifter too. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And that was it. That was like my thing. Yeah. But I think, I think 2015 worlds was his last you didn't probably see that, yeah. That was like, yeah, his peak, and then he kind of got injured, and so you probably did. I don't even know who he is. Yeah, crazy though. Yeah, yeah. They, like when I talk to, because a lot of a lot of the uh, our guests recently, especially with USAPL, because I think the top guys in USAPL are young. They're younger than me. But the funny thing is they've been competing for a longer time than me, even in spite of them being like four or three years younger than me. So, yeah. like, it, it is cool to kind of see the uh, the origin of how they kind of got started. And it's always through that social media and or like an outside force having them compete, but then going on social media and seeing certain guys that they admire and want to be on the same, um, like, playing ground as them. Yeah, for sure. So I was 17 my first meet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. See that. So you mentioned Hancock. Who else? Gibbs. Brett Gibbs. Those are like the two. And Johnny Candido. When mm-hmm. I was like first coming up, that uh, I really yeah, always watched like 24-7. Yeah. I would like watch all their videos because there was nothing else to do. <laughs> so all I did in, in high school like, when I got into it was just watch YouTube videos about powerlifting for mm-hmm. ever. Yeah, and I think again, that's how a lot of people are getting started. And I was, yeah, I was like such such opposite with it. It was, it was mostly bodybuilding and nutrition stuff. Mm-hmm. Like if I could, yeah, 3DMJ was big. Yeah, like 3DMJ was big for me when I was in college. But yeah, I wasn't never on like powerlifting pages. Yeah, yeah, I guess I, yeah, I was just on YouTube twenty four seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, tremendous progress you've made in the sport, steady rise uh, throughout your powerlifting career, and you just did a meet, uh, USAPL Regionals in St. Louis, correct? Yep, yep, St. Louis. And let me pull it up right here <laughs> for for the listeners, because, yeah, 1664 total, 507 Wilkes, Turned a lot of heads, especially with the squat and deadlift. Actually, your bench is fucking sick too. Uh, oh, was it what? Uh, you go eight for nine, I mean. Or... I went yeah eight for nine. I failed my second deadlift, and then I got on my third. Okay, <laughs> big time total. Probably a prime time spot at nationals. So yeah, just, well, take me through that meet in particular, because like you said, 
coming off the Arnold, where you actually got injured at. Yeah, the Arnold I got hurt at, and I had a really, like, so for the Arnold training, the whole meat prep, I, like, did each lift once a week, uh-huh. and all I really did was one top set a week. So, like, I would squat every Tuesday, and I would do one set. Mm-hmm. That's literally all I do, like, each week. So, the Arnold, I was hurt most of the time, but luckily I could still make progress doing that somehow. Yeah. But I'm trying to for, uh, then I did better for um, regional. So now I'm trying to finally, like, be able to do some volume so I can actually get more, like, stronger, I guess, even. Yeah. But the Arnold, I was definitely hurt, and I hurt my pec at the Arnold, too, okay. on squat. So I benched, like, a token bench. And then um, at the Arnold for deadlift, I just, like, YOLO'd. I just went uh, gigantic jumps, and then I just went for the American record. And I didn't get it. <laughs> well, I always say, like, if you're going to send it on any lift, send it on deadlift. Yeah. But I was like, my total's already screwed because I had a terrible bench. Like, I bent 200 pounds. So I was like, my total's going to not be a PR, so I'm just going to go all out on deadlift. And if I leave weight on the platform on deadlift, it doesn't even matter, really. Mm-hmm. So I was just doing it for fun at that point. Yeah, and I apologize for my poor interviewing skills because I should have asked the Arnold. Like, you hurt yourself in Arnold had a unique meet. So, how you strained your pec? How did training change from that meet to mm. USAPL regionals? That's a good question. Um, so I took after the Arnold, I took six weeks off of bench, like didn't even bench at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I did some shoulder press. I still did like triceps, and I do a lot of accessories. So I still did all my accessories. But I just didn't do any pecs. Um, I started stretching and rolling after a few weeks, but. Yeah, mainly I just really eased back in. After six weeks, um, I felt, like, perfect after, like, three weeks. But I took another uh, three weeks off. Mm-hmm. And I gained my strength back really quick. Um, I was benching once a week at first for, I think I was ten weeks out of regionals. I was benching once a week. Then, uh, as I got closer, I did twice a week with, like, a light long pause day. Okay. Or some technique more. Um, so my pep was feeling really good. And then... Um, everything was going great, injury-free, pain-free. And then, like, two and a half weeks out from regionals, I hurt my pec again, like, randomly on a light long pause. So, um, I hurt it again randomly. Mm-hmm. So, um, then I didn't I didn't bend for two and a half weeks before regionals. So, it's, like, chronic. Like, I cannot train my bench. I don't even really train my bench as it is because I bench, like, once or twice, and it's, like, low amount of sets, so... Injury is my only problem, like my biggest problem, which is for most people. But yeah, for sure, and that's one thing I also see with younger lifters too is battling injuries, and mm-hmm. because it's kind of lifting at such a, you know, like I wouldn't say underdeveloped age, but you're still so a lot of people are still developing. Yeah, yeah, it's just hard for me to like pull back the reins because I'm always trying to like push and push, mm-hmm. even though I know that I need to take time off. Like it's just hard since I coach myself. That's probably a bad thing that I do, but uh, I'm learning, though. I'm, uh-huh. I'm getting better at taking time off now, because I've realized I don't even really lose strength. I just feel better. Yeah, and that's a thing that I I think that's much easier said than done, especially when people are at a higher level of competition. Yeah, that's true, too. When, when you it's, it's easier to take time off. It's easier to take a step back when you don't see this massive, massive light at the end of the tunnel. Right. 
when yeah. you see USAPL Raw Nationals, when you know you're going to be on a big stage, when you know that they're, you know, that you're going to be tested like you've never been tested before, and the victory is would be, you know, one of the bigger victories of a powerlifting career is winning nationals or becoming top five in uh, USAPL or in IPF. So taking time off is really difficult when you're at that level. And I, I, I've heard that a lot with so many different powerlifters that come on the show. Just, yeah. Like, no, it is. It really is, yeah. Now you're getting me hyped up for nationals, but fuck yeah! Well, that, uh, that's a good. I don't want to get you too hyped up. We're in the same weight class, but <laughs> but so you're you you hurt yourself two and a half weeks out with your pec, yet you still have a really good meet at USAPL regionals. So take me through the meet, like. So I'll, wh- take the meet. Um, so I'll start with the squat first. Uh, squat was squat felt good at the meet. I didn't really have any pain or. Yeah, nothing. Everything felt good. I hit six oh six, and it was a uh, technically a one pound over my gym PR. So that's my be- that's my best squat at six oh six at the meet. And uh, I like my my one of my friends is actually the judge. I don't even know if that's legal or not. It is USAPL. That. I mean, uh, powerlifting now is so unregulated. Yeah, but he was like, "That's the lowest I've ever squatted." Uh, mm-hmm. Court, we, the one we trained with yesterday. Oh, okay. He was, he was one of the judges on my platform. Okay. He was, like, he was joking around like, "That's the deepest I've ever squatted." So I was really happy with the 606. But funny story, uh, actually in the warm-up room, when I went to rack like 402, or one of my warm-ups, um, I missed the rack. So I almost died. <laughs> I almost died and snapped up in the warm-up room. But luckily, uh, yeah, squats went perfect. Three for three. I got nine white lights. Nice. Uh, so yeah, squats went really good. And then we can go to... So um, my meet, we had one flight. I think I was telling you this yesterday. We had one flight. Um, so I, I did my squats, and it was a 20-minute timer, and then we started bench. Yeah, that's – I've never heard of that. Yeah, I don't even know. I was like, this has to be illegal. I was, I was getting so mad because I was like, I had to change my gear. I had, like, zero time to do any mobility or uh, warm up for bench, really. So, And with being snapped up in my pecs, I was really uh, nervous that way. So I just flew through my warm-ups, and it was my first time benching in two and a half weeks um, since I hurt my pec. I didn't bench at all for two and a half weeks. So I was already nervous. Um, but I did my first two attempts. Then I was like, all right, I got to get to 370 because I knew what total I had to hit to be prime time or to have, like, a chance at prime time. Mm-hmm. I was like, I have to get the third bench. Um, literally do or die. Like, it's all or nothing. So I put on 370 or like whatever it is, 369 something. Um, and I went out there and like on my descent, I hurt my left pec on my descent. So I was like, oh shit, like I'm, I'm going to get fucked. Like I'm not going to qualify. Then I was like, I have to grind through no matter what. So I still ended up uh, grinding it out and I ended up getting it. But I killed both my pecs. Like I, so I didn't bench for like a couple weeks. I'm just, just now starting to bench for nationals. But... Um, yeah, I hurt both of them. My left peg at the meet, like, on the descent, but I still ended up getting a three-for-three bench somehow. I think I just got lucky. But, um, then it was a 20-minute timer again for deadlifts, and this really sucked because I was, like, cramping from bench, and I had also a gigantic water cut. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just, like, I felt dead. So I just, like, took another giant super pre-workout and instantly started deadlifting. I had to go up to six... 
like six ten within like fifteen minutes. Okay. Um, so literally, I did like one red, two reds, three reds. So I was like, and the whole time I was doing this, I, my body was like dying because of having a fifteen minute timer. And I did literally all my three lifts in two hours, a squat, bench, deadlift. Um, so I warmed up to six ten, and then I did six forty four opener, easy. Then I jumped to 688 because if I got to 688, that's what it'd be to qualify me for prime time. So mainly I was just trying to beat certain individuals' totals. Mm-hmm. So uh, I could be like, okay, I really feel like he's going to be in prime time. So if I beat him, I feel like I'll definitely be in prime time. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I got to get to 688. Um, this will basically lock it in, I think. Obviously, we don't know. But um, I ended up failing on my second for grip. I think I was just in my head. Um because grip's always in my back of my head because it's my only weak point. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm looking at my hands, so I'm like, dude, it's in the back of my head. Like, my grip feels weak right now. <laughs> so I ended up failing it on my second. Like, ha- like it was pitiful. Like, I deadlifted it, like, halfway up, and then I just, like, couldn't hold on to it. And then uh, on my third, like, I just had to get in the zone. I had my training partners because I had, like, tons of support there. Uh, I had tons of family and friends. Basically, all family and friends were there. So they all like got me in, got me in my head. My grandpa came up to me and gave me a hype up speech. Uh, so I was like, okay, wow. He he said this, so now I can definitely do it. <laughs> so uh, I just like basically blacked out. I ran out to the platform and like the crowd. It was the last lift of the day, so the crowd was like going crazy. So um, I ended up smoking on my third attempt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I did see that third deadlift. That was a really good third. Third deadlift, as far as this one being technically sound, because I think technique can kind of go, you know, out the out the window when it gets like to a super like over a hundred percent effort. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was an easy third deadlift. So, and clearly my grip was just in my head because I could have held it all day on the third. Yeah. Um, if I just I just gotta stop thinking about it and get it stronger. For sure, and yeah, again, really good meat, well over five hundred Wilks successful meet and the goal for that meet was to qualify for prime time correct yeah that was literally and they're like too good and stuff but my my main goal like i would not have been happy if i didn't mm-hmm. if i didn't uh, get that last deadlift or like get that total that i needed mm-hmm. i think it was 757 kilos or no 755 mm-hmm. 755 kilos is what i got and they basically like beat the other people that i wanted to beat yeah on the obviously yeah, so if I can ask, what may, why do you want to compete in primetime so bad? Um, ever So I went to the first uh, Nationals they had primetime in 2016, and it was just the most hype. Like, it was when Jesse Norris was in primetime, so it was just super hype. Uh, I've just always wanted to lift on the big stage with the biggest competitors and the mm-hmm. best. I, I always like facing the best, so obviously I'll be, like, the weakest one in primetime. Well, <laughs> Like, one of the weakest ones in prime time. But um, I think I should do pretty good, though. I think, in my opinion, you should be in the middle of the pack. Okay, yeah, middle of the pack, it sounds good. I, well, because I think, just based off the numbers I read last year, and that's kind of a forecast of what you could see, um, I think a 1650 total will kind of put you in that, like, 8 to 7 range. Yeah, so I think I'm ranked 8 right now mm-hmm. in the uh, Open. In yeah. The open. And I'm ranked 3 in Junior. Okay. On the database for this year, so um, yeah, we'll see what happens. But I think I'm yeah, kind of in the middle. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so because it was a great meet that you had at uh, regionals, so that yeah, brings that yeah, that brings my next question. Do you feel that 
you're underrated or overlooked in any way. In the um, in the let's not even go USAPL. Let's just go in 83 kg. In 83 kg. Yeah. Um, I mean, some of my like my Instagram is like less popular than. So I'm probably like the less like the least popular one that's gonna be in prime time, but I'm okay with. But uh, mm-hmm. I'm probably yeah I probably get overlooked a little bit. Um, it doesn't really affect me. If anything, it makes me work harder. But mm-hmm. um, I'm not really big on like getting Instagram famous or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It would be cool, but uh, yeah, I probably do get overlooked and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. you said. Yeah, it's um. It's one of those interesting things that it's like even it's like a, I think actually a newer discussion of powerlifting is yeah. what what validates you as a powerlifter. Right? Is it a big total or getting reposted on King of the Lifts? Ooh, I like both. <laughs> yeah, I I know, and it's a great feeling getting reposted on King of the Lifts. Like when I first got posted, it was a great feeling for me. I was actually in studio. I was, I was like in the same spot. I remember with I was with my girlfriend, and then I looked at my phone and I saw King of the Lists just reposted a video of you, and they tagged you in post. And I'm like, oh my god! And I, you know, went to my phone immediately and looked at all the comments calling me gay, and uh, <laughs> and you know, it was a cool feeling. But it's for me. I've been watching you lift for a while, right? And I've been impressed with your lifts. Um, even actually before the Arnold, uh, I knew that young lifter. Real good technique on all three lifts has a chance to put in a really good performance, and the performance you put at USAPL regionals is is more reflective of your potential than yeah, I, Arnold was for sure. Oh yeah, regionals was by far my best meet up. Yeah, my potential. Yeah. When this discussion of overlooked, underrated is being discussed, I personally believe that the people who are important, who have value in the sport. Know that you exist and that you're a beast. And it's this, and the reason why I bring it up is because we see this all the time now. People complain that they're not being reposted. People mm-hmm. complaining that they don't have followers on Instagram, which is so bizarre to me. Right. It's like, what, what, what is it? Is either you place at USAPL Raw Nationals, which is oh, yeah. why we compete, is to be really good at the sport and compete on the highest stage, and not to be recognized on Instagram for what we do. And I've been seeing this so much recently with King of the Lifts, and I feel bad for him at a point, because now if they repost anyone popular, you have a butthurt fucking powerlifter saying, well, you never repost my stuff. Yeah, I have been seeing people say that. I'm like, but I'm like, we're the best lifters anyway, so. Yeah, it's it's like, if, if you're that good, why, why why do you give a shit, you know? I, yeah. I, I don't know. And I, I felt like I had to ask you to hear your opinion on it, because I think in the grand scheme of things, yes, I think you're being overlooked. And if we want to reflect it on social media, my social media following is large for reasons that don't relate to powerlifting. Or they mm-hmm. do relate to powerlifting, but a lot of it's a gimmick. <laughs> a lot, a lot of it is memes. A lot of it is entertaining people. A lot of it is me throwing my belt, clapping my oh, hands, yeah, like that, That's like great. that, like that kind of shit. And, I, and I'm not just doing this because I'm looking at you on Facetime right now, but you are a better, better powerlifter than me. <laughs> Your Wilkes is better. Your totals better. You're better. So, in the grand scheme of social media, yes, you are being overlooked. But I think in the community. Of yeah. powerlifting? No. I think people recognize that you are a great lifter who has a chance to do really, really good things at Raw Nationals. I appreciate it, yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. Mm-hmm. And 
And and speaking of Raw Nationals, quick turnaround because you just did regionals uh, what two weeks ago, three weeks ago? Uh, yeah. So in between, there's ten weeks in between. So basically, okay. yeah. So quick turnaround for you. How is that going to affect your training? Will it be easier? Will it be harder for you? Uh, yeah. So it's definitely hard for me, especially since I always get injured. Um, so I'm really trying to take it easy right now. As you saw yesterday, like everything I'm doing right now is pretty easy. Um, and I'm just trying to do enough mobility and recovery work to stay healthy. So the, I think the main thing is just going to be staying healthy in such a short amount of time, but also peaking and getting stronger. Mm-hmm. Kind of balancing out the two, which I am think I'm doing to be good at, but um, at the same time, it's really hard to do for me because I mean, usually I'll get snapped up and stuff, but just something I got to learn and kind of just deal with for now because I got to be good at this meet. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of got to push through it for now. Yeah. But I'm very yeah, so I think I'll be really good. Yeah, I'm excited to see that. How so? I know you're a bigger uh, 83 kg guy. Uh, how would that affect your weight cut? Uh, weight cut? So, yeah, I definitely want to be a little lighter than I was at regionals. So before regionals, I was basically 193 before my cut. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that sucked, especially since I did all my lifts in two hours. But I think that's kind of standard, yeah, right? Is, right? Isn't like 193 standard for 83? Uh I think it's more on the heavy side, definitely on the heavy side, because a lot of the, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what, like, other guys, like, Russell and stuff weigh. Yeah, if I was to be conservative, I would say that Russ is probably, like, 193, and if I was to be, like, pretty liberal about things, like, 200. Yeah, okay, so that makes me feel a lot better. Well, I mean, that's this is a, that's an eye test, and from what people have said, and I believe occasionally they blow it up to, you know, because we fucking eat, we have, we have lives that um, forces us to eat a lot, so, yeah, like 200 pounds, same thing with Noriega, probably like 190 to 195, conservatively, aggressively, over 195 sometimes. Yep, so I'd like to be like 189 tops, because mm-hmm. anything more than that, I feel like... I could water cut there without sweating at all. Yeah. Um, like, because when I was 193, I sauna the night before the meet, and then the morning of the meet, I uh, took hot baths. Okay. So I was dead. Um, so I feel like if I was four pounds lighter, I would not have to sweat at all. Okay. But being prime time, I think it'll, if I'm if I'm in the night session, I'll be a lot better because I don't have to, like, wake up super early and sweat, like, mm-hmm. if I'm competing at 8 a.m. or something. Um so I think it'll be a lot more chill at prime time, regardless, because I'll be in the evening, which will be really weird. Mm-hmm. But I've never... yeah, I'm curious how. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm probably gonna have to wait a little bit for prime time for myself. But with lifting in evening, will be a definite change for any powerlifter because usually meets are in morning or in the afternoon. But yeah. I, but I, I, I would anticipate for you, I think that would also be quite quick. The prime yeah. time slot, like as far as getting time between lifts, I think. Yeah, I think it'll be yeah, just as quick if not faster than your previous meet. I don't know if it'll be as it'll be closer. Regionals is literally two hours. <laughs> I think prime time will be closer to three, but we'll see. Yeah, because I think it'll be two flights, like us eighty threes, and then whatever women. I, I don't know what weight class women do. I think it's the lightweight women on our day, like the really light ones. So okay. Probably be two flights, so it'll probably be like 
three hours, I'm guessing. Yeah, possibly. Three hours is good. Three to four yeah. hours like a good sweet spot of a meet. So um, It'll feel a lot better than regional. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, so on the subject, subject of raw nats, what performance will you be satisfied with? Because powerlifters always talk about being satisfied, being mm-hmm. happy. Or even they go nine for nine. Like, yeah. oh, I'm proud but not satisfied. So at this at this particular meet, what performance would you be satisfied at Raw Nats? So I definitely uh, I definitely want to win juniors uh, or, like, get at least second or third in juniors and uh, and definitely top five in the open. So top five in the 83. Okay. Would be, I would be happy. Okay. So what? But as long as I get PRs and stuff, you know, that's always a win. But mm-hmm. I definitely want to total at least 1,700. Um, and then, yeah, get those placings. Cool is to go to, uh, is to, like, go to Worlds next year as a junior. Okay. So I'm not sure what I'd have to do, like, who I'd have to beat for that, but, uh, that would be, like, my, if I did that, I'd be happy. For sure. Yeah, and that's a, that's a good goal to set, and I think, again, 1,700 pound total, I think is definitely within your range. I think, if we go back in the archives of Two White Lights, um, you would probably hear me say, 1700 pound total for me would be like amazing or that would be my goal and i think my co-host at the time said that he is confident that i could do that going through my recent preps don't think that's going to happen i'll be very happy with the 1670 but i think with the with you going 1660 or your last meet or 1660 and above i think 1700 is a definitely a feasible Goal, mm-hmm. and I think at seventeen hundred, possibly can get you third in, in the, the open. open. Yeah, so that'd be yeah. So I think mo- a lot of us are going to be fighting for third place. Yes, possibly second place. Yeah, not second, but I don't think. But uh, I think it'll be a good fight for yeah those top five for sure. Yeah, that's what, well, that's what I said because I think if I could, I could be wrong, and I probably should be wrong considering I just fucking talk to him but <laughs> i think noriega's best total was 1750 or in oh. that range so okay. right. yeah. with a poor meet from him or a substandard because he'll probably still total 1700 with a poor meet because he's a yeah. elite level lifter i think that there are three or four guys who can overtake that second place spot yeah and when i said with russ he could go 1750 i'm probably a bad day Dude, he was probably going to hit that open phone as openers. Yeah, pretty much. He's he's on another level. So he can get that on a bad day. So, like, that second and third place spot, I think a 1,700-pound total will get you there. Or at least in the field where yeah. then you could either think about strategy to. Yeah, that's what I'm, yeah. Being on prime time, you could juice up that last deadlift. Okay, I'm definitely going to go big on my last deadlift. Yeah, like, you could, well, you could... Yeah, see, that's the benefit of being on primetime. You yeah. could see the performances like, oh, shit, now I could do this on bench. Exactly. Like, I could actually take it a little conservative. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm excited to see that. And hate to look ahead, but it's a podcast, and I have to look ahead. After Raw Nats, any meets, any goals in mind, weight class changes, federation changes at all? Um, No, no to federation. That's... And no two weight class because I, I as long as I clean up my diet, I think I can stay 83 for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and definitely gonna probably stay USAPL uh, just because it's the most competitive. Yeah. And then 
As of meets, um, like I said, I want to do Worlds as a junior. So that's like, that'd be my number one goal. And then also the Arnold again. Mm-hmm. But um, it'd be cool to do the, I think, just the deadlift only with the Arnold. So I could train only my deadlift and only my grip. And then uh, I think deadlift only would be cool to do. Yeah, people told me to do that. Um, really? Yeah, I keep on. There's something about, because deadlift only would be fucking cool. We should do it. Yeah. You, do, you do the funnest lift, right? Uh-huh. Once. Like, the pressure isn't there. Because I, I, like, full power meets, like, make me, they, they make me nervous. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm just not motivated to do single lifts, which is stupid. Yeah, I don't know. It's like I, I need, I, I need to be really nervous or something. True. Yeah, it, it would be really weird just because we've never done that, either of us. Well, I've done push-pull. Oh, you have? So, okay. so my second meet, I was going to do full power. The roster filled up. So the roster filled up way too quick, and I was like, oh, well, can I still, like, be on a waiting list? Or, like, you can be on a waiting list, or you can just do push-pull. I was like, yeah, all right, second meet, not a big deal. And, yeah, I've done I, – I still – see, the thing is, I probably shouldn't have even done push. There was no reason for me to push. Like, there was no reason for me to put in a bench. I just wanted to. So, yeah. Like, I still kind of stayed away from deadlift only, and I was going to do deadlift only this year for fun, actually, at uh, a meet in Lombard. Oh, nice. And I, it would have been just way too quick of a turnaround to uh, Raw National. So, I don't know. I will keep that in my back pocket. That, yeah, it, now that, that you said that, I just completely forgot about pull onlys. Yeah, so if you have a big – I don't know how you qualify, but I think if you have, like, a giant deadlift, which you will – at nationals, you could qualify for like eighty-three deadlift only. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how it works, but that'd be cool if me and you did it. Yeah, and that I would be deadlift. Nut, I think it'd be cool if the deadlift nut did it too. Oh yeah, if we just if we none of us do the full power, if yeah. all of you, 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 oh, <laughs> yeah, Yangsu, you, me, uh, Ben, all do deadlift ben, only. Yeah, that would be definitely. really fucking fun. Yeah, we need to definitely do that because I'd love to only train my deadlift. Yeah, that'll be that'll be kind of a fun thing to do. I'll I'll think about it or do both. Fuck it. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> just do the full power, both. then pull pull like right after. Do both. Yeah. 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 God. Yeah. I, I, well, I mean, that's what most people do, right? They go full power and then just for fun, like the next two days, yeah. they do a YOLO deadlift. I would just yeah, okay yeah I def I do that but not like I do it like five or six days like because you saw me I did seven forty five in the gym last like last yeah that was fucking amazing that that turned a lot of heads too that got reposted a bunch on uh yeah, like just different powerlifters I follow but yeah and well I did that too like four days later but with a deadlift bar oh okay so I, that I, was I, my YOLO lift was I trained with a stiff bar for sixteen weeks straight finally get to use the deadlift bar and then just feel the feel the power of the slack. Dude, yeah. <laughs> yeah or or I'll just or if if US is anyone else doing like a pull only? Is it just USAPL? Because I'll do a deadlift only. I'll do a, uh, a deadlift bar. I feel like other meets have to. If you if USAPL does, I feel like all the other like backyard meets. Yeah. You well, I'm talking about at the Arnold. Oh, at the Arnold. Ooh, I don't. I don't think. I don't think so. I think USAPL is like the only one at the Arnold. God damn it! Oh. That would have been so nice. I, I you know I would have done full power USAPL, and then if I had time, like on a Sunday. Yeah. Unless I'm not competing on a Sunday. Would pull maybe, with a deadlift bar. Yeah. Maybe they can make a deadlift bar only thing. Yeah. That, that would be obviously more entertaining to see. Yeah, that would be A fun. deadlift bar. That's... Yeah. All right. So we have our segments. Segments we love playing with all of our guests. Annoying things powerlifters say. 
<laughs> Carson, what is one thing powerlifters say that annoys you, makes you cringe a little bit, either on social media or in person? Right. Yeah. No, I feel you. I think my okay. I thought of one. So you might have to edit this. <laughs> but I think my favorite, uh, my most annoying one is like when people sugarcoat. Like if they make a post and they just sugarcoat everything about it, uh, like about their post of why it could have gone better. Okay. Because I feel like everyone, no matter what, always has something they can like say or, or make it like uh, seem like they could have done better. But mm-hmm. I don't like people that every time they post, they always have, have an excuse. Yeah. But, so it's not something they say, but just something they do, I guess. Yeah, yeah. This 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 segment could be interchangeable to say yeah. and do because it is. I see it happen in person too. Yeah, they just always have an excuse for themselves, so that kind of irritates me. Mm-hmm. I, I've I've had a few people give me the misgroove excuse a lot. Okay. Which I want to clarify. I, and I, I said this on the show. I think like within the first five episodes, I you cannot misgroove a bench. If you're raw, yeah, you seriously yeah. cannot do that. It is impossible. Misgroove exists for multiply guys, not raw guys. Like, I guess I can understand on a de- uh, squat if you're do like super low bar. Yeah, I guess you True. can misgroove that. Like, but I mean, deadlift is a pretty simple movement. You just fucking, yeah. you just lift it. But I hear most like, oh, I misgroove on bench, and when they're mm-hmm. completely raw, like, dude, right. you one. I know this is an excuse because it's impossible to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone, yeah, they'll find something to make it seem like they could have done better. But even reality, they're just not strong enough. Yes. Or is it, yeah. Yeah, I think so, J, J.P. Carroll had a good post on that on Elite FTS. He wrote a blog. Right. He's like, you're technically just weak. Yeah, that's, okay, that's basically what I'm saying then. Yeah. People just always make excuses for why they're not stronger. Yeah. No, I could see that. And that is, that's one, that's, it's interchangeable with, um, it wasn't the meat I was expecting, but, mm-hmm. you know, all that, like, I think Heather brought it up on the show, Brandon Franklin brought it up on the show, Joe Sullivan, I think, did too. Like, that one is a constant, and that's, like, interchangeable. That's an excuse. Yeah. When, like, that's kind of what the, I'm saying. Yeah, not the meat I was expecting, but, like, that, yeah. when I see those posts, I'm like, well, you don't need to make the post then. I know. You, I know. I just, like, leave all the bad stuff out. Like, it is what it is. No one has to know, like... As long as you know, like, if, if it's something, like, real that you could have done better, uh, then just keep it to yourself. Like, you don't got to sugarcoat every single thing you put on Instagram. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I like that one. All right, and a technique tip for Tec- two White Lights viewers. Yeah, one technique tip that you have that's really helped you and a cue or, like, a go-to cue or something. Okay, um, so we'll do deadlifts because my best lift. Perfect. And everyone wants to hear deadlift too. Every listener wants to hear how to get better at deadlift. Yeah, I feel like people have said this one before, but uh, my biggest thing for deadlift was just uh, for getting my deadlift better and getting my technique better, um, was just like building up tension and pulling the slack out more mm-hmm. um, before you actually deadlift it. And so basically, I just like to like pull out like I think about pulling ninety nine percent of the bar out before I actually initiate the pull. So like I have everything activated. Um, as I grab the bar, like, I'm activating my legs, my core, my upper back, everything all as a unit. And then that last little 1%, that's what blows it up off the floor. So I feel like this helps a lot with um, speed off the floor because a lot of new sumo pullers, this is especially for sumo, mm-hmm. um, a lot of new sumo pullers are slow off the floor, 
and they don't know how to get faster. But I think the number one thing to getting faster off the floor is just how tight you can get before you actually deadlift it, how much tension you can pull out. Um, so that's my number one tip is for getting your sumo deadlift or your conventional deadlift better mm-hmm. is um, how much tension you can build out uh, in your setup before you actually go to deadlift it. And then to work this, um, I found something I, I like to do. Um, so when I have, like, one plate on or when I'm teaching people how to deadlift at the gym, um, I'll have them just go into their starting position, get everything tight, and then just statically, or like isometrically, I guess, pull the slack out for like five to ten seconds and just feel what that feels like with everything activating and having 99% of it pulled off. So I keep it on the ground. I don't like to pick it up off the ground because that's not how you're going to do a heavyweight. Um, but that's what I like to do to teach how to learn that. Mm-hmm. It's just race and everything, grab the bar, pull the slack out, um, pull yourself into the bar um, for like five to ten seconds. Do this with one plate a few times. And that'll help kind of, like, warm up everything so you can feel that on your warm-up set. Yeah. And when you see your working sets, you'll be you'll just be turned on more. Yeah. I, I witnessed you do that yesterday. And pulling slack out of the bar is something I, I just really don't even know how to do it. Yeah. Like, well, I just... I was, I was watching you, and you're good at it. You just do it. You just... Yeah, I can definitely tell that you do it, though. Okay. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> but, yeah. um... Yeah, for sure. And yeah, that's a really good technique tip. And of course, we'll finish off on a really quick fuck, Mary, kill. Mm-hmm. Fuck, Mary, kill, squat, bench, deadlift. Squat, bench, deadlift? Uh, hmm. This was pretty easy. I definitely fucked deadlift. Um, ooh, or Mary, deadlift. But I, I will say I'll fuck the deadlift. See? See, this is where the game gets interesting. <laughs> it's that difference between a side piece and a wife. Yeah, true. So we're definitely going to kill bench. That's okay. For sure. Most people murder bench. I don't think anyone has done anything else. I actually got to go through the show. I don't think anyone has done anything aside from kill bench press. Really? Yeah. That's probably a sign in powerlifting. Yeah, that's the time I need to take it out and just have squat and deadlift. Yeah, I don't... Yeah. Um, So I definitely kill bench. Then I'm going to switch it up. We'll fuck squat and just one and done. And then we'll go marry deadlift so I can just have my favorite list forever. Yeah. (laughs) Good. I like I like that. That's very similar to mine, or actually identical to mine. Um, there you go. Yeah, because people people were marrying squat, and I was just always even. I was surprised when Garrett married squat. I thought he's definitely gonna marry deadlift. And yeah, maybe he didn't think it through like I just did. Well, no, he he definitely thought it through. Because yeah, uh, I think yeah, I think the analogy I made or the comparison I always make is squat. I would fuck squat due to the fact that I get nervous and it's an unsafe lift. And if I'm going to have, you know, I don't want my wife to have like a STD or anything. So, um, it's a risky lift. It's a sexy lift, but I'm always nervous. I can't, I can't really rely on either. And, um, the, the unsafe one. Yeah, for sure. All right, my man, it was a terrific interview. I enjoyed myself. I cannot wait to see you come to surge. Yep. And train with us. And of course, when you get to USAPL Raw Nationals, when you come out to Lombard, because while you're in Illinois, you're still a ways away from Lombard. Um, Mm -hmm. really excited to compete with you and really excited to just fucking shoot the shit for a week. Hell yeah, it's gonna be fun. I'll be there a whole week. Yeah. Alright, man. Alright, so that's gonna do it for the interview. We got Matt Wallace coming on to discuss a little bit WPO and ESPN. Stay tuned, guys. 
All right. Thank you, Carson Allen, for coming on the show. I can't wait to see you again, maybe at Surge, definitely at USAPL Raw Nationals. And, as promised, at the beginning of the show, we had Sean Noriega, Hamstring Poppy, talk about WPO being broadcasted on ESPN, shed some light on the two white lights topic of the week, and to finish off the show, we got two white lights favorite, our favorite son, Matt Wallace, on the show. How you doing, man? Good, man. Uh, Long weekend, but... Feeling good. Just got done with breakfast, so just feeling full, ready to do an interview. I like, the, you know, always a pleasure being on Two White Lights. Obviously, you know, super fun time, really good. I know, I know, you said thirty minutes, but we always seem to go over that. So yeah, we no always go way over that. Yeah, not a bad thing. Oh yeah, for sure. And uh, I again, we had this topic. I, I probably mentioned at the beginning of the show. I don't. I definitely mentioned it to Sean. I don't want to be the only one talking for sixty minutes about this topic because it's a big one. It's big news in powerlifting. It's breaking news. It's, in my opinion, the biggest news story that you know has happened in the past year because it has a lot of impact on powerlifting and media in of itself. So I wanted Sean Noriega on because he gives usually a very intelligent, antiquated point of view on a lot of things. And his opinions are usually based up with fact and logic. And I know you are a big fan of the sport, passionate about the sport, and you will do the exact same thing. I don't want it to be a fucking, you know, just fucking juvenile jokes towards multiply and raw lifting. Uh, USAPL guys are virgins and WPO guys (laughs) are fucking, they can't find their dicks. You, I know, are not a multiply guy. But you respect no. the sport, and I know that you've been very happy with the development that the UPO is being broadcasted on ESPN. So why exactly are you in favor of that? Well, so I think, um, like you said, Sean's very intelligent and very well-spoken. And I, I would say, when you kind of took that pause, I think a word that I wanted to put in there was calculated. Calculated. Very, that was the word I was looking for, and I'm not wearing my glasses, so I'm not that smart anymore. Very calculated speaker, and I'm not, you know, bashing myself and saying I'm not, but I think I think it'd be important for me to talk about how when I first started in powerlifting uh, in 2013, I was the only raw guy that walked into a gym full of 10 multiply lifters mm-hmm. because that's, that's you know, raw lifting, you know, IPF Worlds didn't have their first raw championships uh, or their classic championships until 2012, so... So multiply was still a pretty big deal um, mm-hmm. in the in the early 2010s, and I think that that does that gives me a very different perspective on this topic as a whole and multiply powerlifting as a whole. And I'll just I'll quick disclaimer: I don't I'm not a I don't hate multiply. I don't love raw lifting. I hate shitty powerlifting, and there's shitty powerlifting in every. Every facet of the game, there's going to be shitty powerlifting everywhere. Um, but yeah, multiply does get a pretty bad rap. But they're, I mean, they're doing really well right now as far mm-hmm. as multiplying the WPO specifically. I mean, and, and and like I just got done telling you uh, before we started, within a decade, the WPO has been on TV, major TV networks twice. Mm-hmm. And Joe Sullivan brought up the fact that raw lifting. As a whole, raw raw with wraps has seventy seven thousand individual competitors. Yeah, and we have the U.S. Open, the Boss of Bosses coming up next weekend, um, Reebok Record Breakers, all these big money meets that are popping up, and that's amazing. That's so cool. But the WPO 
they're taking 2,500 individual, I mean, not for specifically for that meet, but 2,500 individual multiply lifters compared to 77,000, and they're actually getting their part of the sport, their piece of history of the sport, if you want to call it that, because it's kind of, it, we thought it was on its way out. Yeah. It might be three, but it seems like it might be making upward trend. They're taking 2,500 people and putting it on television, which for the second time in a decade, which is more than raw powerlifting has ever done since ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And again, uh, at the beginning of the show, we talked about it is merited that they're on ESPN because they put in the work. They put in the work with Westside versus the World, the production value of that, and they put in the work to get on ESPN. So it is well-deserved. Now, I, in my opinion, I do think multiply lifting is dying, and I think it will eventually die completely. But the way it can be revitalized is if you have big money meets and you already have guys who are, say, single-ply, jump into the equipment. Yeah, I think... I think that that would help, but unfortunately, the biggest market of single ply right now is USAPL, IPF, Mm -hmm. and they're not allowed to because of a federation that doesn't want to do anything for the lifters and wants to do something for themselves. So another reason why they're not making strides and making deals and making connections with these media companies to try to get this sport farther out there. Someone commented on your two white lights post like, well, I just wish it was raw lifting that we were seeing on TV. And it's like, well, guess what? Tell your fucking meat directors. Mm-hmm. Tell the people who own these raw federations to start shaking hands with the right people yeah. and make the same moves that the owners of the WPO have done twice in a, in a decade. Yeah. And, you know, with the, with the West Side versus the World documentary, that was a huge win for powerlifting in general. Yeah. And because and, and, it introduced people to the idea of moving as much weight as possible as a sport, you know, they even talked about, they, and they went through the entire story, the, this entire history of raw, eight bandages, the marathon suits in, in 1977, and then the introduction of multiply. They went through the entire history, and they even talked about the fallout of multiply powerlifting and how raw was taking over, yeah. and even highlighted their raw lifters. So it's not like they just, you know, you know, they're just like, multiply, done, cool. No, they yeah. included every aspect of powerlifting and how powerlifting as a sport as a strength sport has impacted a lot of athletes lives um uh the the all the all the uh strength coaches and all, all from uh, clemson the arizona cardinals the, yeah. how they, the chicago bulls you know powerlifting has impacted these sports and honestly i'll admit i didn't know that yeah and I'm, i've been in the sport for six years and i didn't know that so mm-hmm. that's really cool so if someone is going to relate powerlifting they're going to see Big names like Clemson University, the Cardinals, and the, the Chicago Bulls, and be like, "Oh wow, this sport! They, the, these coaches trust this sport of powerlifting to make these professional teams and one of the best college teams in the nation popular." And for instance, uh, Stipe Miocic, yeah, you know, he, he he just won the UFC light, uh, heavyweight championship, yeah, uh, uh, last weekend, and you know he's a, he he was coached by a West Sider, yeah, a fifteen year West Sider. So it's kind of like, well. Okay, maybe there's some merit to this, but people are gonna they're they're gonna see they're gonna be able to relate to that better. Yeah. And I think personally ESPN is not the way to go mm-hmm. with the WO meet and I think that I think I think like making it an X game sport yeah. would be a better start. Mm-hmm. And if it could, if it could keep gaining popularity, I think that that would be the route to go. Mm-hmm. ESPN might be too big of a jump and like too 
people are just going to see it and kind of be like, eh, and dismiss it right away. But I yeah. think X-Games would have been a better fit. Yeah, something very similar to that uh, w- would work. And w- we did discuss on ESPN, and the logistics of it, I don't know how it's going to work. And you're a pretty you're savvy to how a meet should be run and what the viewers want and what lifters want. The logistics of it for me are going to be really interesting. And same thing with Sean said is there's going to be so much downtime in between lifts. Granted, it's not a lot of lifters, but there's no real like time limit. There's yeah, going to be a lot of loading weights. There's going to be a lot of getting in suits. There's going to be a lot of uh, getting out of suits and that kind of stuff where there's going to be a big downtime in between lifts. And that could be a problem considering most spectator sports don't ha- doesn't have that and you know i again i don't, like you said i don't know how they're gonna do this and the logistics of it all but i i really think i don't know why they wouldn't do this but why would they not kind of follow the same format and the same pattern of strongman mm-hmm. where they eat film it and you know whoever wins and whoever places or whoever can mm-hmm. they can talk about it for a little while yeah um but I think that that would just be way more effective because then you can kind of cut the, the the walking up to the bar, the fixing the barbell, you know, the, oh, that's not my rack height, oh, yeah. rack's out, rack's in. You know, you could edit that to you're cutting to each lifter, getting under the bar and finishing the lift, seeing the result, cutting to the next lifter with graphics, their name, their their birth country, their age, their their weight class. Um, their best, their best lifts, mm-hmm. uh, all three lifts, their best total. So that way, you have some information across the screen that's not only going to promote the lifter, yeah, and you can put their social medias on there too. So, so again, like we're, then we're bringing it back to the social media aspect of okay, maybe people are going to get off of ESPN, get on social media, find these lifters, and then find their way through this weird world of powerlifting through Instagram and through Facebook and through YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, but give give them some information to read while the lifter is setting up so that way they have something to distract themselves for a little bit. And then before you know it, they're starting the, the squat. They're starting the bench. They're starting the deadlift. Yeah. And then lifts over, cut to the next person. I, I, I think I, if they're doing it live, that's going to be a, a – uh, yeah, I, I, Noriega, uh, we did discuss that. The chances of them, like, I don't see any way, conceivable way that they do it live. Um, editing will be important to that. And I, I think, well, here, here's a point I wanted to bring up because I got this DM um, when I posted this on my story and then posted again on my uh, feed on Instagram for the Two I Lights topic. People were talking about, um, you know, the USAPL live streams and the IPF live streams and all the live streams. And they were saying like, oh, well, they already have that. So it's like, it's not that much of a, it's not that much of a step up that ESPN's doing it. And I had to take a step back and think to myself, this fucking person really believes that ESPN will not do a better job than the USAPL, IPF, USPA, Boss of Bosses, the Tribute. I'm like, are you out of your fucking mind? It's ESPN, worldwide leader in sports. Yep. You do not think that their live stream, their editing, their production won't be head and shoulders better than all the other live streams that you watch in your life? Juventus and... Parma played on Saturday on ESPN Plus online stream. That's an online live stream. That is Serie A football. Some of the best soccer you're going to see in in your life. That is who is going to be producing WPO on ESPN. 
like yeah. they, they can do it, guys. It's and like if it's not that far out of the realm of possibilities because yeah. ESPN is doing it. You guys, like, so do I have to explain why ESPN is a much better option than any live stream that you get, no matter how good the USAPL does? And they do a great job. Don't get me wrong. They have pro- yeah. Raw National is probably the best live stream I've watched as far as clarity and you know like the Sports Center or like ESPN kind of feel. But guess what you're gonna get with the ESPN feel. <gasps> ESPN, the yeah, legitimate exactly. company they're trying to replicate. So you have to I tell them that ESPN is ESPN. Like <laughs> I don't know how much clearer I can make that. Like ESPN is ESPN. You know, and I, I I try to say this as much as often as I can because it's not USAPL, it's not IPF, it's not completely raw, and there are no weight classes. But Big Dogs, hosted by Marcos in Australia, is the best live stream I've ever mm-hmm. watched in power. Yeah, and it's completely free. And he accepts donations if you see fit. And I highly recommend if you ever do watch it, you do watch Big Dogs 4, and you do donate a little bit because it is the best live stream I've ever watched in powerlifting ever. Yes. Um, but, yeah, the, I think I think us, us as lifters are getting stuck in the mindset that this is just going to be another live-streamed event that I'm going to watch on Facebook Live or YouTube Live. Yeah. It's, not, it's, it's a high-quality production. Yeah, and that's and that's that goes back to what I'm talking about. Where these other federation owners, if they if they, if you guys if people want to cry about raw powerlifting not being on TV, the federation owners have to start working a yeah. little harder. You have to start shaking hands and making connections with these big companies and and these these organizations that are going to get you or investors even that are going to propel you to that higher level. And and you know what. If, if, if everyone could just bring their egos down a notch or two yeah. and talk to each other, could you imagine if the owners of the WPO and the owners of the USPA could actually talk to each other and be like, hey, how did you do that? Because, you, know, you know, that's a great idea, and I think that that's something we should try to get into as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, try to, and maybe, who knows, maybe the next WPO meet offers raw with wraps. Yeah. Maybe the next WPO meet offers just raw in general who i mean who knows maybe they'll be able to take the top 10 multiply guys and girls and the top 10 raw with wraps guys and girls have a meet of 40 people and be able to put it into a three-hour time slot on espn or on the x games or any other major network yeah it's not out of the realm of possibility Mm -hmm. if people can just like put the ego in the back pocket and talk to each other and actually think that they could learn something from someone that they deem as stupid and you know all the childish insults that they throw at multiply yeah and 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 and, and these organizations and federations but yeah. until that happens wpo is going to keep doing what they did in the past and obviously it works because they're doing it again mm-hmm. who knows if it'll work this time who knows if it'll work again but you know like i said you got you got seventy seven thousand raw lifters and we can barely agree on uh, one set of rules for yeah. raw lifting and, and one like what barbell to use. Meanwhile, the WPO is like, no, we got our shit together and we're going to put our stuff on, on TV. Like, and they're just like, that's it's over. It's done. And it's like, like, I'm jealous. I'm jealous that they like, I'm jealous that multiply has their shit together. Like yeah. we talk so much shit about multiply, but when you look at it like that, mathematically, they have their shit together and we do not. And mm-hmm. we're, we're, we think we should be on TV. Yeah, I don't think so. No, because then, because then, and and because then we start tearing each other down from the inside. Where it's like, yeah, but only drug tested powerlifting, not drug, not not untested powerlifting, and no no knee wraps, no, yeah, and only the same barbell. And it's like, okay, oh, yeah, it, it, 
they, they the WPO made it so much easier because they don't tear each other apart. And yeah. They don't tear each other down within their own sport. And how can we expect to broadcast our sport that we all care about and love when we just talk shit about each other and tear each other down all the time? Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense. We're not going to go anywhere with this mentality. Yeah, for sure. And that's a really good point on that because in as far as like people thinking that their division – their type of powerlifting should be broadcasted. I don't know if the people who matter believe that. I like that's it's one another one of those outsiders looking in point of views where they want their division beyond. It's like, well, I think people who are involved in the sport understand why it's a WPO and no one else. Um, and I and I do see a potential there with USPA guys maybe jumping into equipment and suit. For, you know, a certain meet, that's where I think that gear lifting won't exactly die completely. Um, I do still think that it's dying um, and will eventually die because just the trajectory of sports and how it's going and the fitness community in it, of itself. But wh- you you mentioned, like, the jokes being thrown back and forth and multiply, and I'm, I'm definitely guilty of this, and I still will probably make the jokes and the, the jokes when the meet happens, and that is the judging. The judging is going to be a key component for, one, us powerlifters. Like, us powerlifters, we know judging. We know at least something like what is a major breach in the rules or a high squat or a, you know, quick command on a bench. Or, I mean, we've seen this with a prominent uh, multiply guy, Dave Hoff, who missed the fucking lockout. He complete. He okay. slipped. He slipped. He's like that was what like a child could tell you that that is not a deadlift. So mm-hmm. the judging of that is going to be a key component on if this is taken seriously or not. Because I understand that the everyday viewer, which you're gonna, I don't know if you're gonna get a whole ton of like average spectators tuning in. I think it'll obviously bring some in, just people looking for something to watch. But I think a lot of the viewers are going to be strength athletes. So uh, easily, easily. So, and, and again, like, what, what's your opinion on that? Because I, like, I don't even know if it's a good idea having strict judging. Because if you have strict judging, then you might just fuck up the entire competition. What, one of your followers brought up a really good point about how in, in, in the past, how when it was broadcast on TV and a lot of guys bombed out on the bench press and it kind of left the, the, the production company like, what the hell just happened? Like, what, so why are we down to like four guys now? What, where the hell? <laughs> It's like, well, you know, they bombed out, and then we have to explain our seemingly uncomplicated sport to people who have no idea what's going on, and yeah. then it kind of seems even more complicated than it actually is. But maybe it's not to us because we've been practicing it for so long, and, you know, it yeah. is pretty simple, but explaining it to other people can get kind of... If you could explain it to a meathead, I think you could explain it to a regular person. If you understand those rules of football, mm-hmm. which is a completely made, like, it's a legit made-up sport... And hockey, yeah. you can <laughs> yeah. fuck it. It's like, I mean, yeah, you have to really create that sport. If you have to, like, explain that to people and people get it after the first, like, two tries, powerlifting will be really easy. For raw lifting, yes. Multiply, not so well, 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 that, well, yeah, the, the, I bought that comment up before, too, where they couldn't understand why they couldn't touch the bar to their chest yeah. with the equipment. Now, that will be really difficult to explain because I have never been – I've been powerlifting and I've never been in a suit to really understand that or a shirt. Sorry, Sean Coplin. He gets pissed off when I call it a suit. It is a shirt in my bed. Like, yeah, what's your what's your take on that? Well, so I think, I think that this issue goes beyond like just lousy judging because I feel like more often than not, especially in the untested federations, I feel that – 
you really need a high quality judge. Yeah. You need someone who's been tried and true and tested and someone who is just going to make the right call as many times as possible. And I'm afraid that sometimes at meets where an all-time world record, so if we bring it back just into our sport, yeah. Uh, where an all-time world record gets broken, I have a feeling that young, new judges get kind of overwhelmed with that that tension and that mm-hmm. excitement that they kind of, so Dave Hoff dropping that third deadlift to secure the, the all-time world record multiply total, it's like how in the, when I'm watching from the outside, it's like how in the world did three people, <laughs> how, one of which I do not associate with anymore, Yeah, and I actually got in a big fight about this, I was like, how in the world do three judges sitting right there watching that give that good three white lights? And when I'm sitting here from my like in my room looking at my phone going, that was obviously not good at all. I feel like that excitement and that kind of that energy in the air kind of takes people's minds out of it. Yeah. They don't judge clearly. They don't see things clearly. So I'm afraid that's going to happen with this WPO meet again where the excitement of the biggest multiply. We can just we can just call it that. The biggest multiply meet ever. Yeah. Um, and I think that that excitement might get to less qualified and less practiced judges. So I really hope that the judging is good. But more importantly, I hope that the lifters are good. Yeah. I hope that the lifters show up. One of my friends, Matt Manuth, the uh, he he won the WPO last year. Uh, with a torn bicep on his first deadlift, um, by the way, and, mm-hmm. and an amazing lifter. He is my favorite, hands down, my favorite multiply lifter because he lifts, he comes correct every single time. Squats are to depth, benches, 1,100-pound squat to depth, 900-pound bench presses, easy, and, and, and controlled, paused, and deadlifts, I mean, he doesn't fall over, so he's already ahead of the game. Mm-hmm. But... When he when he hits the platform, guys like Matt Minuth, he comes to perform, yeah. and he performs very well. And he's the kind of guy that is going to give give Multiply a good name and help these judges. He's going to make their jobs easier. Leaves no doubt. He doesn't leave it in the hands of the judges. Yeah, he shows up and performs every time. And those mm-hmm. are the kind of guys that are going to give that a good name. Mm-hmm. But it's up to them on the day of competition to do that for the judges. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, and I'm. It, it is going to be, it is going to be up to the lifters to an extent. But it, I mean, yeah, again, you just can't bomb out everyone. And 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 I've said this many times in multiply lifting. If you get parallel, you're gonna you should get a call because getting below parallel, I've never really seen it like a real below parallel squat in multiply lifting. I just haven't really seen where I'm. Slack. Uh, he who actually recently passed away, so um, very unfortunate. But Gene Richlack was one of the first thousand pound benchers, and one of the if you if you after this and anyone listening, if you go look up Gene Richlack thousand pound squat, it is probably the most beautiful thousand pound plus multiply squat ever ever performed on the platform. Yeah, I'll, I'll be sure to check that out because again, I just I haven't seen it myself, and I haven't seen any. So the the the. Likelihood of people bombing out are going to be much much higher at equipped meets. So oh, if you yeah, if, if you get people bombing out, I guess it could be, make things a little easier. But at the same time, like if you're promising you know thirty lifters and you only get like ten of those, it's going to be a massive problem. So I, I'm curious on that. Um, I'm curious also. You know what I just thought of actually recently? Uh, what I just thought of if we if we go back to the editing part of that? Yeah. 
maybe that does kind of maybe the bombing out it, it, it makes for a boring live stream yeah but maybe the lifters bombing out kind of makes a very more intense like finish yeah you, know, you oh. start a meet, you start a meet with 20 guys and then you get to you get to you get bench gets done and you get down to deadlifts and you're like if you watch the whole thing you're like okay only the best of these 20 guys are making it's like okay now we're down to five like it's almost yeah. a, an elimination process yeah the- they're themselves but it's like Okay, now we know that these these last like five six guys, they're they're the real deal. They're doing stuff that these other guys couldn't. You know, like mm-hmm. if, if they edit it right, they could like really like they could. I think they could spin it to their advantage. Yeah, if they if they edit it right. Oh, oh, for sure. And that will be able you will be able to explain the sport that way too on what happens. In my opinion, saving yourself from bomb out is one of those big moments in meets that are high excitement and high pressure. And, you know, we could bring up Hack again. Uh, oh, Hack nearly bombed out of his meat, and then once he hit that squat, there was a big eruption, and that allowed him to have a all-time performance. So, yeah, saving yourself from bomb out is one thing that you could edit in beautifully to kind of show, like, the importance of an opener, the importance of a second attempt, and then your third attempt, if you decide to go, you can explain all that kind of stuff as you go along and kind of tell the story of powerlifting. So, yeah, really interesting point there, um, especially with, you know, the judging and the odds of people bombing out, which can definitely happen at multiply meets. How, how do you think that the average viewer is going to consume this versus the powerlifter? I think... I think we're too smart for our own good mm-hmm. as powerlifters, and we've been around the. You know, like I said, I, I my first I set first my first step into a powerlifting gym was a multiply gym, so I have a different I have a different value. I have a different respect for quality multiply powerlifting. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of these other guys are just too smart for their own good. They're not smart enough. Yeah, but too smart for their own good to where they bash it without yeah. actually like taking into consideration actually doing some research and kind of watching and going to these meets and kind of seeing it from, you know, other than, you know, looking at their phone and trying to make judgments. But I think the general consumer is, and I'll admit when, when the guy who introduced me to, to that multiply gym told me how much he squat benched and deadlift, I said, you know, he, he was a 165 pound kid. who's like, yeah, I squat 700. I bench 400 and I, I deadlift. He only deadlift 500 at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, holy shit. I was like, that's insane. I, and I had no idea that he was talking about equipment. Yeah. Which, so, as a competitor, he kind of misled me. But, you know, I, I wouldn't have had it any other way or else I probably wouldn't be here. But yeah. the general consumer isn't really going to care about that. You know, they're not going to, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be more obsessed with the weight on the bar. And then they're going to start asking questions. So two routes that that could possibly go. Is they're gonna they're gonna see the weight on the bar, they're gonna see that number, and their attention is immediately gonna be captured because mm-hmm. it's something ninety nine percent of ninety nine point five percent of the world has never seen before in their lives. Yeah, and that's gonna capture their attention right away. Mm-hmm. Then it's up to them to give a shit once they find out that they're wearing supportive equipment, if that's even explained very well at the beginning or whenever they tune in. Then that's up to them to stick around and watch. Yeah. Or just be like, nah, if it ain't raw, it's, if you, if you go, if you talk to anyone about raw, they think you're talking about food. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're not powerlifters, they're general consumers. So yeah. they're going to see the way in the bar, get excited, stick around, find out that it's equipped lifting, and then they're going to be like, well, what's equipped lifting? What's, is, what is the hell's raw lifting? They might not even know raw lifting exists. Yeah. 
They might think equiplifting is the only form of powerlifting. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I can make an argument that's how I got started, too, was I thought yeah. that everything was... I, I thought I had a vision of powerlifting, and it wasn't the powerlifting that I'm involved in now. Oh, and, it, and it's in, in my six years, it's evolved so much that I can look back a few, just like a short few years ago and go, wow, things are immensely different now uh, for the better. Yeah. In my opinion. But it's, it's crazy how much the sport's evolving. Mm-hmm. But, but people, and again, if, it, if you put socials up there, if you, if you, if you advertise other companies, just companies, if you advertise Inzer, Pioneer Fit, yeah. um, uh, Titan, you know, Titan, I, well, Titan doesn't do multiply, do they? I don't think they do. I have no clue. But, but if you advertise these other companies and, and provide social media accounts and people can do their own research and find out more about powerlifting, so mm-hmm. I guess what I'm saying, more people are going to know the sport of powerlifting after the WPO meet gets mm-hmm. over. And that's, that's a fact. Yeah. And I, and I, I've said this before and, and this isn't a knock on anyone, like specifically the WPO, and multiply is doing more for the sport of powerlifting when it comes to mass media than these kids are doing with their YouTube channels. And hmm. I think that's just so important. You are important. I'll admit it. You people are important in the sport of powerlifting. You're not important to the outside world because you, you found your niche. You're making money off of it. You're marketing yourself off of it, but you're not growing the sport. Mm-hmm. You're not growing the sport at all. You're just growing your fan base. You're growing your own personal brand. You're not doing as much for the sport of powerlifting as you really think you are. Hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting point. And huh, I guess at the end point, I started agreeing with you more. Yeah, it's a good point because I, I I could think of some darlings in powerlifting right now. I could think of Russ Orhe. I could think of Larry Wheels. I could think of, I mean, darlings as far as uh, Russ Orhe's fan base is a lot more tolerable than fucking Larry Wheels. Um, yep. And Russ Orhe is a lot more tolerable person than that schmuck Larry Wheels. See that one? I, fu- I And I hate to do Larry Wheels did something at the end of the show, but... That fucking garbage video was so goddamn weird. I fucking I now now I really dislike him. So yeah, uh, at first it was a joke that I dislike him. Now I sincerely dislike. And as Garrett yeah. Fear puts it, that cocksuck, Larry Wheels. That's, that's it. Well, and you know what? I I really hope, and, and I, I'm actually kind of disturbed about how silent things have been around yeah. that since it happened. Yeah. But I really hope the powerlifting community can come together and not physically just all beat the shit out of Larry Wheels, but just condemn that cocksuck as Garrett says yeah condemn that cocksuck to the hell he belongs to for yeah. what he did and you know what him John Gaglioni it's just kind of weird how that shit happened and then it went silent no one ever talked about it again yeah. and you know what birds of a feather flock together so <laughs> I don't like either of those two if I ever see him in person and they have an issue with it they won't even know who I am I don't give a fuck but you know if you want to treat women like that you're, you're gonna you're gonna get called out for it online in person I don't give a shit what you do at this point but you're a piece of shit and a cocksuck. Have fun with the rest of your, your life and your millions of fans that would rather fucking lick your balls than support women who get beat and abused mentally and emotionally. Fuck his fans, yeah. too. Yeah, for sure. We just got on a massive tangent there and diverted yeah, from all attention. But, yeah, so, again, with those social media darlings that we have, I could make a argument that if Russ decided to do something else, people, his fans will be inclined to do something else as well. 
And when you bought that point where YouTubers aren't exactly important for the sport, or they're not growing powerlifting as a sport, I disagreed with you. Because I was like, well, I think that they are doing really well for the sport, and I think the most popular people in powerlifting that draws the eyes and attention of powerlifting now and the growth of it are those Candidos. Lane Norin, Ben Rice, and then you look at Orhi now. You look at all these guys who are growing the sport. Noriega's another one you could use. Uh, Garrett's another one you could use. There are so many people now who are growing the sport in raw lifting, but it, you, I, and I think I would have to think about this myself. Is it, is there a difference between a fan base and people loving powerlifting? Because if Russ is like, doesn't compete in five years, or let's say, like, he just really just gets involved in uh, bodybuilding. Yeah, he just goes back to bodybuilding. This goes yeah. back to bodybuilding. It's like, you know, powerlifting's fun, but, you know, I'm just really trying to focus on my fitness career in bodybuilding or something else. I think that those fanboys will kind of gravitate towards whatever he does because they're fans of him, not necessarily the sport. So that's a good – oh, man, I'm going to have to try to pick so, a side here because – Well, let me clarify my point a little bit differently, though. Um, they're not important for the sport as like like in, in outside the sport. And by so, so by outside the sport, I should have said outside the fitness community. Okay. Like specifically barbell sport community. Yeah. Yes, Russ, Russ, um, uh, the uh, uh, Candido, Lane Norton. They're they're all fa- and I'm do air quotations famous, but only within still a very niche community. Yeah. The WPO being on ESPN, a sports yeah. organization, football, baseball, sports, sports, yeah. sports, sports. Yeah. That's the reach I'm talking about. Okay. Your YouTube channel is reaching out to fitness communities. Yeah. If you're pulling more people. You're, yeah, you, you YouTube accounts are pulling are pulling fans from CrossFit, bodybuilding, other yeah. barbell sports. But, ES, but being broadcast on ESPN is pulling the casual fans maybe into the fitness industry for the first time completely, yeah. which is something that, you know, I would never have, I would never know who any of these people are unless I powerlifted. I wouldn't yeah. know who any of them are unless I didn't give a shit about the gym. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's, I guess I should have clarified that better. No, yeah. it was, it was still a good point to make though. I, I do, I do like that the point you just made and I, yeah, I, would is I mean, if you do broadcast on ESPN, yes, you are definitely getting powerlifting to the masses, not just this fitness community. In my personal opinion, I would like to kind of stay in the fitness community. I mentioned it early in the show. Be let's be mainstream in fitness first, and then let's focus on you know the expansion of it because you know it is a niche community, and sometimes those like niche communities are the best ones. They're yeah. they're the most fun. Like it's cool that this sport that we kind of all know each other, and no matter and you know you could talk to a the best in the world you know i know Steffi cohen is open to answering questions i know Mm -hmm. a lot of the top ipf and usapl guys are open to answering any questions that they have and they'll be at your gym and just kind of hang out and shoot the shit with a random person and i think that that niche community is the reason why that happens it's very communal and it's a good thing for that but i'm gonna ask you this question well and then so one more thing okay I think what would be a good move for raw powerlifting right now, especially with the success of the West Side documentary, if you don't want to broadcast an entire meet on ESPN or if you don't have that avenue, I think a really good move right now would be to continue the documentary series. Yeah. I think more documentaries on individual powerlifters yeah. would help bring more attention to the sport if you could get it on Netflix. I would love to see a documentary about Ray Williams. Yeah. I would love to see a documentary, if we want to go one step farther, I would love to see a documentary about Dan Green, yeah. his 
sports history and his gym history. So not only are they getting introduced to the individual lifter, yeah. but they're also in, they're also being introduced to the gym and the supportive community that wraps around it. Mm-hmm. So I focusing on individual documentaries about more powerlifters, yeah. more gyms would be a big step in the right direction. So that way we can still kind of keep it niche. Yeah. But still reach out to other people and go, wow, this man, yeah. this one specific man is impressive. I'm going to follow him on social media. And then, you know, they see how they interact with other athletes. And then it's like, and then it grows within itself. Like, yeah. And they choose more athletes. And it just kind of, it kind of rolls into the snowball effect. It's snowball yeah. effect. Yeah. That would be interesting to see and a, a way, a way to get to the mass audiences would be something like that. Even, I mean, you don't even, I mean, Netflix is huge if you get it on there, even though it's kind of dying, Netflix, the whole like idea of it. But, you know, Amazon, YouTube series, uh, you know, those are, those are, yeah, yeah, those are, those are, uh, big companies as well. Yeah, Disney, Disney Plus or something. Uh, yeah, it'll be, yeah, it'll be great to follow Powerlifter on Disney Plus. Um, but I, I'm gonna ask you this question. Would you, prefer to see the WPO this type of meat being broadcasted to the masses or another type of federation or meat broadcasted to 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 everyone I'm talking about the power lifter and the everyday consumer I would prefer raw lifting okay and it's 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 purely because of how relatable it is yeah you know, once you once you find out that like, what's up with this model? What the hell's a monolith? What the yeah. hell is multiply? What the hell is a suit? You know, like I said, the the big numbers are going to capture the attention. Mm-hmm. The big life numbers they're yeah. going to capture the attention. If those people choose to stay, that's up to them. But I think that that's a good way to break into it. Um, but I would, ra- I I personally would rather see raw lifting do it because I think that that would kind of it would still capture the attention. But I think people would definitely stick around longer for it because it is more relatable. Yeah. But again, we don't even have our own shit together in our own sport. So I don't even know how we could be happy with trying to put one specific federation, one specific raw federation on there. Yeah. And, and you know what? I know that the tribute is super into like doing everything for the lifter. And I really hope that or the U S open, but I prefer, I like the tribute better. Yeah. But I, I really hope that one of those meat directors and federation owners, I know it's, it's the same, it's not the same federation anymore, but I hope that one of those federation owners can make a, can make the same move that the WPO has mm-hmm. and get raw lifting out there. Yeah. I think people would stick around more for raw lifting. For sure. I, and I, I mentioned this at the beginning of the show too. It's for me, cause I would rather see that as well. Um, and, and I have mentioned that I actually don't want to see on ESPN at all. I okay. would rather have just a really high quality streaming service do it because that's where I think the, I, I would just like to see it broadcasted to us first, not the everyday viewer. Cause that, I think the problem was we're not even mainstream in our own like little community, which, um, which we should, I, and this is where I stand strongly that we should be. I think powerlifting should yeah. be on the forefront of the fitness community because, Bodybuilding to me is fucking weird. Bodybuilding has always been strange to me. Competitive bodybuilding has always been weird to me. Now, I don't negate it. I don't disregard it. I don't say it's it's not a sport. It was just always strange to me. Like, I was always into lifting weights, but when I saw 
you know, the competitions go on, I was always like, this is fucking weird to me. Yeah. I like, it's, it's foreign. It's, it's, and I, like when they even describe this to me, I'm like, that doesn't even sound fun. Like no. none of it sounds fun. Uh, and I don't understand when people say they have a blast doing it. It sounds like a goddamn pain in the ass, but they are the money makers. They're making the money. They're getting on that thing. And it's like, I, and I've seen all the problems that bodybuilding had with like judging and like, oh, this person knows this coach. I'm like, oh my God, you guys are so fucking annoying. And I'm like, and this is what's broadcast and this is what's thrown, uh, it's like kind of shoved down our throats. And I'm like, and it's a fucking, in my opinion, just a, like a, like a diluted version of what a sport should be. I'm like, if I'm an athlete and competitor, I don't want to be on a fucking pageant. I want to be actually performing something. And, and I think CrossFit, that's where it has a beat on is be, you know, they are really good at how they want broadcast their stuff and they actually have a competition going on as well where there's a clear winner. But I, uh, and, but back to my point, I think that the, the disappointment for me is the WPO being on ESPN. And I actually, I would much rather prefer to see raw lifting, of course. Uh, but I'm just, and I'm not really a big fan of multiply lifting because it's just so foreign to me. But I do respect that it is difficult to do. I, and I've, and I said this on the show many times, it is difficult to do. Multiply is a very difficult thing, and I respect how they go about lifting weights. But if you're broadcasting to us, the popular, the the people who are driving the sport right now, the people who are viewing, are people in their mid twenties like us. Teenage to like early thirties to late twenties. That's, that's the range right now. That's the demographics of powerlifting. You're getting a product right now that I don't think is get those, that demographic interested in the sport or entertain those people in the sport. And I made this analogy earlier. It's like Vince McMahon trying to give us people in 2019 the ultimate warrior or Hulk Hogan or like Hercules Hernandez, like big muscle bound guys who just scream into the microphone and say nothing of real value. And, you know, their matches are kind of boring and that kind of stuff. And it's just like all like too much pageantry and not enough skill going on. That is what I think we're getting. And we're just kind of going to, you know, disregard it while I think guys like Russ, Taylor Atwood, um, heck, those are the money makers in the sports. You know, guys with personalities, but at the same time, they're a personality that resonates with our current society. Like, if we're trying to build a brand here, that's the brand you gotta build. You gotta have a brand that resonates with our society. And, you know, they fucking like comic books. They like Marvel. They're into yeah. their shoes. They're into their attire. They love their headbands. They look fucking cool. Yeah, they're, they're, they're like sarcastic and have like hacks a big Always Sunny in Philadelphia fan. He makes her just so good too. Yeah, and, so and, funny. yeah, and it's like it, they, they understand like the current demographic. Like, yeah. I, I compare WPO to like the early 90s wrestling. Not bad. Early 90s wrestling is not bad. And I apologize for everyone listening to the show who has no fucking idea about pro wrestling. Um, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, you should have known the fucking logo is the NWO. So yeah, right. you, and all of our shirts on our website are pretty much wrestling based. So sorry, not sorry, I guess. But. It's that's really that's that's like the WPO for me. It's like I I I can appreciate it. I can appreciate early nineties, eighties, seventies wrestling, but it won't work. And that's why 
like there's a constant image change in pro wrestling and all of sports for that matter. Like in the eighties, it was eat your vitamins, kids. Everything's optimistic and awesome. Uh, that, that was Hulk Hogan's thing. And uh, like in the early nineties, it was kind of the same thing. Then the late nineties, there was a demographic change where everyone's like, I fucking hate life. I have mm-hmm. so much <laughs> anger and rage in me. And that's where you get like Stone Cold Steve Austin. That's where you get like bands like Rage Against the Machine. You gotta yeah. adapt to the times and multiply lifting and the personalities that the WPO is going to bring is not that. No, it, we, we're definitely in, and, and that it goes back to the YouTube era, the social media era, mm-hmm. the, the I'm so sad, angry at myself and depressed and anxious. Yeah. And all I do is. Yeah, it's like it, cool to be awkward now. You know, yeah, it's cool it, to be awkward. Like it's like yeah. when I was growing up, it was cool to be a womanizer. <laughs> Yeah, it was cool. Well, to, it was cool to just be a complete sarcastic or a complete cocky, arrogant dickhead, and that was again the NWO. I'm sorry, pro wrestling reference again, but two white lights t-shirts, the NWO. Like yeah. that to me was awesome. Scott Hall and Kevin Nash being arrogant fucking bullies, you know, knocking over shit, being you know just the complete the complete shit. That's what they were. They were the shit. And, oh, and they were assholes. They were dickheads. Like, now that wouldn't really work. People be like, oh, they're bullying. That's, yeah. that's unfair to do that to people. It's like, if you're awkward, the more awkward you are, the. It's, if, to simplify it, for people who haven't watched wrestling, we're in a clean cut era. Yeah. Everything is, everything is right, outfits match. Yeah. You know, all of our, and I'm, I'm that way. You know, in my own personal life, I could give a shit what I look like when I go out in public. Mm-hmm. But when I'm on the platform, I like to feel good about myself. I like, you know, feel good, do good type type yeah. mentality. So I like when my I like when my all my stuff matches. I think it looks nice. It just makes me feel personally better. But we are, and that's almost how we can look at it. Where WPO is the edgy, they're the edgy guys who you know screaming music, metal bands, and, and hardcore clinging on to that mentality and then everything else is more clean cut professional you know yeah i i would i would just yeah i think the intensity the intensity as sean noriega puts it cringe at a time you know at sometimes it can be a little cringeworthy just seeing that you know the you know the fucking gladiator talk the war talk and that's like man we have a whole sport that's dedicated to making sure your opponent doesn't wake up and or or at least wake up for like 50 seconds so i i don't know if i'm gonna call this a gladiator kind of thing but it's it, it's it, i think that mentality has just fallen out of touch with society yeah and the the, the the nonchalant apathetic type you know lifter is what society wants right now or is yeah. what society is and i mean if we're talking cringy i cringe every time i see any lifter finish a lift and scream at the top of their lungs and it sounds like a roaring hyena like mm-hmm. I, just, I and you know that's not that's never really been my mentality with lifting in general so that's on me yeah where it's like I'm, I'm not that i'm not a flashy person in general i'm not a flashy mm-hmm. celebrator when it comes to a lift you know mm-hmm. it's but it, it to me that's the same level of cringe so you know some people may see yeah. you know that wpo oh. intensity is cringy i see the i see the usapl ipf yeah kid like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I see that shit. Well, I, I I can imagine. 
and move on. I, I can imagine Dave Hoff, Louis Simmons, uh, fucking, well, actually a perfect example, KP Carroll, thinking everything we do is fucking douchey, lame, fuckboy <laughs> type behavior. So yeah. it, it flies both ways, but the population right now, the general population is, I guess, by their definition, douchey, fuckboy, cringeworthy behavior. Well, and not to get political, but I think it's important to say that I think that that's what that is the demographic shift. You know, jobs in in America have gone from hard work to to technology. Mm-hmm. You know, tech jobs, nursing jobs. You know, we're not we're not that hard working, like physical laboring, yeah. hard society that we are anymore. So, and you know, those were the, so in the West Side documentary, those were the guys that were attracted to powerlifting back uh-huh. because that's what powerlifting was powerlifting yeah. was very intense and i think that this this culture shift in america alone is what's making this different you know yeah. we're we're not all hard workers anymore yeah. we're not day laborers anymore we're not i mean i am i yeah. work hard every day of my fucking life and you know I, I go to the gym and i'm not i don't but i don't i'm not like i'm so much more intense and, and hardcore than someone who just sits at a desk all day yeah no i mean people who sit at a desk all day work hard too but you know they don't they don't know People who've never worked a hard labor job in their life don't actually know what intensity is. And yeah. I, I will say that. I know that you guys work hard, but you don't know mm-hmm. what hard work is. Because yeah. I know a lot of people who have never stepped outside of a desk. It's the same people that talk about how hot it is outside yeah. when they walk from their fucking car to their office. And yeah. I'm out in that shit all fucking day. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, real hot in your cubicle. Yeah, <laughs> real horrible. I feel so bad for you. I, I, and it's not their fault because we don't have to anymore. Those jobs are those jobs are fa- are, are falling out. It's, yeah. it's it's for tech and and all this other stuff. Yeah. So good for them. They probably train better than I do because they're mm-hmm. not tired as fuck all day. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good point to make. And again, I hate to do it, but the pro wrestling thing. Like at back the back then it was. I mean, back then if you, yeah, if you look at if you look at the wrestlers back then. And the reason why I make these analogies, I think there's a lot of similarities between pro wrestling and powerlifting because it's so individualized sport. But I digress from the main point is, like, those guys were, like, you know, beer-swelling kind of biker-looking dudes who were kind of, like, bodyguards and stuff. Now the wrestlers now are all handsome. Uh, they're all fucking into video games. They're they're kind of all nerds. Like, they are, like, nerdy-type dudes, and they would never. And Kevin Nash brought it up once in an interview. He's like, fucking, this looks like an Abercrombie and Fish ad. And if I, if, I, <laughs> if I fucking ring, if I just jiggle a pill jar, because everyone had, like, a severe drug problem in the 80s and 90s with uh, pain medication and yes. all, I mean, all the other drugs under the sun. He's like, if I if I just bring that up, no one fucking turns their head. It's like, holy shit, these guys don't even do drugs anymore. It's like, what the <laughs> hell is wrong with them? But, yeah, and again, it's like, it's marketing to society and, you know, fitness, it, we're part of society and the fitness community is and we're going to gravitate what's to what's cool and hip. And I think that, well, let, well, let's just end on this point. Matt, you're definitely going to be tuning into WPO, right? Oh, 100%. I, I, I actually, I'm probably going to go watch live because, you know, it's, it's going to be at Lombard, so you know, yeah. it's only 40 minutes away from here. Yeah, for sure. It's gonna, And I've said it before, it's going to be a really busy month for Two White Lights and everyone involved. But you're going to watch, I'm if that's the case, I might go live. Um, but everyone I've talked to, even the people who fucking hate the idea. They're going to tune in for at least a second. They're going to watch the highlights. They're going to talk about it. And I bought this up at the beginning of the show with Sean. I'm going to bring it up again. Anytime there's a conversation, good or bad, 
in the initial stages of anything is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Even if we start fucking fighting with each other and debating and calling each other insults, calling all the USAPL guys virgins, calling all the other fucking guys uh, degenerates, it is a good thing. The first time through a wall, you're always going to get bloody. It's mm-hmm. going to get better. There's going to be more progress from that. And at this point in this sport, any backlash is good. That's just going to bring more eyes. Just yeah, because everyone I've talked to, every single I talk person I talk to, have an opinion on this. So, yeah, that's no. I, I. I think it's going to be. I personally, even though I would prefer it being raw lifting, I would prefer. I I, I prefer to watch raw lifting anyway. I love would love to see that promoted more. I still think overall it's going to be a positive. I I agree, hundred percent agree. All right. I, I hope they prove us all wrong. I hope they put on an amazing meet and they do it for years to come. And I hope that these raw federations hop on board, talk to the WPO, and figure out how they did it and hopefully find a way to do it themselves. For sure. All right. So that is going to do it for Two White Lights, a jammed, packed episode with three power lifters on the show, all or four, including me, all competing at USAPL Raw Nationals. Oh, and yeah, good point. Yeah, I forgot about that. Just realize that now. Because our future shows are going to feature a lot of people who are going to be at USAPL Raw Nationals. So in the following weeks, be prepared to get a lot of 83kg lifters on the show and a few more guests. We might have like two or three guests per week now coming on the show. So be excited for that. Matt, thank you for coming on. Like always, you're always welcome on to White Lights. Appreciate it. Love it, man. No problem. And we'll see you guys next week. Peace.